Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Looking live at the Fort Nasty War Memorial Podcasting Center for Pod Night in America. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. I mean, this is Brother Date. That's right. The show's Brother Date. The show is called Brother Date, and this week it's a Star Trek week. That's what I meant. I got the whole introduction wrong. Oh, fuck. Do you want to take it again? I didn't get any of it right. No. All right, let's count it off. In three, two, one. Beep. I did a geo. I, the math was way off on that one. Ah. Uh, yeah, it's Star Trek again, everybody. It's been a while. This is week 75 of the Star yeah, Trek it project. Is. Do you want to skip this whole thing and just play Dalgi Dualgi? <laughs> we can try it. I mean, <laughs> for me, the hardest part, I think, is getting the clapping synchronized. Yeah, because you have to say it on the right beat. And yeah, but because like, they all know that motion because they do it for every game, and I just don't know what it is at all. And the instructions were not delivered very well on the subtitle, so I, for a second, was like, wait, what do they have to do? Yeah. yeah. And they're like, what do, what do we have to do when we get to eight? And I'm like, what the hell do you do when you get to two? <laughs> I'm completely lost. Well, what you do is you keep pretending over and over again that it's your first try. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is week 75. Yeah. I've nicknamed this episode in my, or this uh, week in my notes, Herbert's in Space. So <laughs> there, there are a couple of Herberts running around this week. Um, as usual, last I really as usual last place was Voyager last week. So yes, that's where we have to start again. Unfortunately, this week we watched Year of Hell Part One. My broken house behind me and good things ahead. A girl named Kathy wants a little of my time. Six cylinders on. Did that one pop into your head immediately? Or was, uh, was there a selection process? Uh, I mean, there were a couple. There were a few other ones about... The, I was There was one, this could be my year. Uh, I was going to think about maybe doing a long December. Oh, <laughs> sure. I'm sure by the end of the year of hell, they'll feel like it's... Yeah. Maybe this year will be better than the last. Yeah. <laughs> There's reason to believe it. One at any more rate. night in Hollywood. Uh, all right day one a ship straight out of babylon 5 disappears a city yeah <laughs> we go to kurtwood smith's weird alien ship where he and his lieutenant go over the results of the elimination of a zol colony from time they never existed now um i guess it didn't achieve whatever temporal results they were looking for so they prepare to go do the same to the zol homeworld They'll eliminate the entire species from time. Uh-huh. Credits. 
the gang uh, officially opens up their astrometrics lab that they've been working on uh, with a ceremony that benefits only the senior staff. Yeah. No one else is there. No, nah, some scrub has to call them from the bridge. Seven announces that their new flight plan, based on this new tech, has cut five years off their journey and that uh, they're about to run into some aliens called the Zal for the first time. Well, we know that's not going to happen. <clears throat> they do run into a small ship and it attacks them with its harmless arsenal. They give a lot of real Picard looks like, oh, they're going to shoot me with their dumb lasers. I, except that Picard wouldn't have then violated their territorial claims. <laughs> Janeway is... Uh, and told them on the phone, well, you guys are weak, so... <laughs> Janeway's on her own little journey. Try, try and stop me. Space pirate Janeway is uh, on her own shit right now. Um, It's a Krenum ship, and the captain says, hey, this is Krenum space, not Zal space, and uh, Voyager should reverse course or be attacked or whatever. Uh, Janeway tells him to suck it and laughs about it. Yeah. Day four, the Zal ambassador meets with Voyager and explains that generations ago, the Krenum controlled this part of space with powerful temporal weapons, but uh, they kicked their ass at some point. Uh, so now the Krenum suck, but they're, they're like, they bother everybody. Uh, that Krenum ship comes back, and just then they're hit with a shockwave from the erasure of the Zal homeworld. The puny Krenum ship suddenly morphs into a powerful warship, but no one on Voyager is aware of any changes in time. They just know they've run into these assholes, and they're getting shot to shit. Yep. After some threats, Janeway says, This is turning into the week of hell. Which yeah, is that was awful, huh? so glib, considering at least one crewman has already died. Yep, died right <laughs> in front of her five minutes ago. She calls it the week from hell. Yep. Anyway, they flee. Uh, Red Foreman's lieutenant, uh, Obrist? Yes. Says, oh, we learn Obrist's name way before we learn yes. uh, Red Foreman's name, which is <laughs> we will, Anorax. We will get to it. <laughs> um, uh, Obrist says they've achieved a 98% restoration of, of the Krenum Imperium and, and their power that they've been, I guess, shooting for this whole time. They finally fucking did it. But Red Foreman is wildly stupid and refuses to accept it. I guess because whoever this weird lock of hair he keeps hanging on to... Uh, whoever that belongs to didn't come back. And, he, and also he does ask about one particular colony. Mm -hmm. And when the guy says, no, I mean, Krenum space doesn't extend that far in this timeline. He's like, mm, we'll keep doing it. It's like, wow, he makes it abundantly clear right very early on in this journey with uh, Red Foreman's new character that this is all about him. And yep. anything he says about it being about restoring Krenum power is uh, complete bullshit. Uh, even Obrist kind of knows, but he's still trying to figure out what to do about it. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, so they're just going to keep trying. Uh, meanwhile, Voyager's getting hammered by the Krenum again. Janeway comes up with an idea to drop torpedoes behind them like mines or something, and they destroy uh, the By meanwhile, you mean day 32. Uh, yeah, I may not have hit all the day okay. markers. I'll just let you know how it's going. And the reason, this is day 32. The reason is I often am not looking at the screen. So if no one says, why well, it's day 32 of this business, I probably won't you were, know. You were drawing uh, Sonia Gomez, but as the character she played in Total Recall with extra tits. Yep. Still like, same. she had five, though? Same uniform, five tits under there. Yeah. Um. Uh, anyway, so anyway, they blow up uh, this Krenum ship. Uh, Voyager is very explodey at this moment, though. And yeah. a big one rips through and some people die. And there are more of those rocks you hate all over the place on the ground. <laughs> You know I brought it up. <laughs> They're everywhere. 
Jocko says. I didn't understand why there were rocks in the hull on Enterprise, <laughs> and I don't understand why there are rocks in uh, the hull. They're on bioneural rocks. Uh, yeah, they're they're like uh, they're alive. Um, Jocko says they should abandon Voyager and take shuttles and escape pods uh, to the other side of Krenum space. Janeway disagrees, yeah. and Chaco says, eh, okay, don't none of this matter. <laughs> then they're attacked again. Uh, day 47. Harry Kim and an injured Balana are trapped on the ship somewhere waiting for rescue crews. They play some dumb games to pass the time. Seven saves them. Chaco and TP have developed uh, transverse bulkheads to save the ship from major hull breaches. I don't know if that's going to matter for the plot or anything. Seven goes to try and get the turbo lifts working again and finds an unexploded chronoton torpedo in a Jeffries tube. That's what the crown number using. Yeah, this is from Kessa's Benjamin Button episode. Yeah, she ain't here, though. She, Despite being the major player in that whole episode that that told us about this year, she is, she's not around. Um, TP is assisting the doctor with many injured crew and gets into a spat with an emotional schmullis. I guess he's haunted about those two crew that he had to like shut the hatch on earlier in the episode and watch die during during the time when Voyager was so explodey. This, by the way, makes him only the third or fourth most haunted character this week. <laughs> it's true. There's a lot of people who are dealing with shit. Uh, he's probably the most haunted in this episode of Voyager, uh-huh. but there's a lot of haunting going on. Uh, Seven and Tuvok argue about whether there's time to like study the torpedo and learn about its... Um, it's, Temporal microvariance. I was going to say essence, but sure. Uh, learn about the essence of torpedo. And uh, Seven gets the temporal phase variance from it just as it explodes on her and Tuvok. Day 65. Everything is dark and bad. But, yeah. But Chaco gives Janeway a birthday present. She's a sad sack and asks to have it recycled. <laughs> yep. Even though it was a, a clock. Uh-huh. No, Cisco would be pretty pumped even in these dire circumstances. A clock? How did you know? I mean, technically, it was a watch, but whatever. Uh, a now blind Tuvok, I guess now we know what happened to him in the Jeffrey's tube, cuts himself shaving. His good buddy Seven comes to pick him up and like walk him around the ship. I guess she assists him now, probably because of the guilt. <laughs> She says she may have figured out how to get the shields working against the chronoton torpedoes. Neelix bothers them on the way to deflector control, and then a chronom warship bothers them too. Seven gets the shields working, and the torpedoes are stopped this time. Meanwhile, Red Foreman and company erase the Garamon homeworld from existence. Garanor, but pretty close. I still think it's Garamon. Okay. Uh, the shockwave uh, from that crosses Voyager's path, and the shields Seven used to protect them from any changes in the timeline. Uh, I'm sorry, the shields Seven used to protect them from any changes in the timeline this time around. So the Krenum ships chasing them become shitty again, and there aren't nearly as many of them, so they know something wild has happened. Yeah. Obris detects one anomaly that might have fucked them over, and yeah, it's Voyager. So they know Voyager didn't change with the rest of time and space or whatever, so they, they are going to come after Voyager now. Uh, Janeway and Seven confirm that everything has changed. Day 70. Sorry, day 70. Just then, Red Foreman beams TP and Chaco away, and then he says his name is Anorax. <laughs> That's right. I wish he'd said that earlier. Yep, and he's real sorry about having to erase her from history. Yeah, he says, anyway, sorry, but you have to die now. He begins to work on erasing them from history, but Voyager goes to warp to escape, but the ship can't handle that speed anymore and basically, like, crumbles. 
Day 73. Janeway tells the remaining crew it's time to evacuate. Voyager can't go on. So, you know, head for home, everybody. Good luck. I'll be on Voyager probably doing a suicide mission. To be continued. What was this lovely episode about? This is a little tough. I think that there's something in this episode about emotions not getting in the way of your job. Like, we don't explicitly know Anorax's deal yet. I mean, when you see him holding that weird lock of hair. Right, yeah. You know he Uh, ain't right. It's been severely hinted, and his right-hand man definitely thinks something is up there. So, and then also, you know, the doctor tells Tom Paris to uh, keep fucking suck it up. I don't think he even measured that Bellana got injured, and Tom Paris was a real nerd about it. Oh yeah, that's what that's what they were having a fight about. Was that he only wanted to take care of his girlfriend? Um, I don't know, man. That's like that's like too basic to even be a take, really. Is that hey, don't get too emotional. <laughs> that's right. That's like, who's hey, that's on the other two, side? That's what two means. Yeah. I actually think it's great to be too emotional, to be emotional to a fault. Faults are good. Right. So uh that's not worth a lot. I only gave it two points. Mm. Ben uh did provide full notes this week. He said, Fucking with time travel is some complicated shit. Now you gave your take a two. Uh-huh. Yeah, what did he give this one? His rated a six. Uh, I see. He says it's not relatable, but it's Trek and it's high sci-fi. I mean, I guess. Uh, we'll get into all of the ways that they did such a bad job, hopefully in execution, uh, with this plot and how little sense it makes. But he thought that was worth uh, six points on the take. I also gave it a six. Oh my god. But that is not my take. Uh, I gave it the old, uh, you gotta know when to hold them and no one to fold them, I guess. That's right. Uh, Janeway and Red Foreman both do a whoopsie based on pride in this episode. Anorax, I won't always call him Red Foreman, Anorax gets a 98% success rate or whatever when he eliminates this all homeworld. And then, like my wife says, not good enough! (laughs) And it has to do a redo and then whoops, he fucked it all up again. Hey, this isn't the one where we do therapy. That's supposed to be next week. Sorry. Look, it's more about her business than mine. It don't affect me. <laughs> um, and then Janeway, obviously, in the beginning, Chaco's like, maybe we should just, like, peace out on this. And she's like, nah, I don't want to. And then the whole ship gets blown up anyway. <laughs> and then it's just like, she's like, all right, I guess we're all abandoning ship. But, like, you know, after after three months or two months, it's getting fucking shot around and everything. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, no, no one to hold them and know how to fold them. There you go. <clears throat> Uh, is it know when to fold them and know how to hold them? Is that what Matthew says? Something like that. <laughs> okay. In the uh, episode, Ray learns to gamble. And he has to figure out what Shane the pencil's in. <laughs> Look, you can I mean, see I the pencil sticking, sticking out. But, but I have been fooled before. I have been fooled before. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. Uh, I now... I now dread to think if this is going to be our new highest spread it's episode. Not. Don't worry. They didn't get any points the rest of the way. Well, what did you, what was your take for execution? Uh, I gave it a two. So this guy, uh, Anorex, is a real dummy. <laughs> Very early on in this episode, they get a huge restoration of their empire. 
And the guy just looks at the dealer and goes, hit me! That is true. One more card, baby! It's so laughably stupid. We're supposed to believe that it's because he lost his wife or whatever is going to end up being the backstory? <laughs> okay, so. Or daughter? Now, I don't know. Now you've spoiled it, and I've played it in Star Trek Online. So. Oh, okay. Well, I don't actually remember. I just... No, it is. It's his wife. Okay. It's a, he's got a weird alien wife okay. who's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. But that lieutenant should just arrest him on the spot. They've been doing this for 200 years. Yeah, they are outside the flow of time. Are they? And they have supposedly an infinite amount of time to work on. Yeah, he... We'll get into it. Okay. We'll get into it. They have not aged. They've been doing this for 200 years. They, after 200 years, they get a 98%, and a guy goes, nah, I don't, that's not really it for me. So, that's crazy. Anyway, all of this is bullshit. Red Foreman talks about how they have infinite time, but it's very clear that events keep unfolding as they make their changes. So real time is going on around them. This is clear because Voyager initially runs into that first little ship. Yeah. And then that time change happens. It's not like it keeps happening at the exact same moment because then it's two months later when the next one yeah. happens. No, that is true. And I don't know what it means that they, why they're not aging. Yes, they are not, they are not doing anything outside of time. Maybe they are not aging for some reason but it's not like they're just like constantly at the same moment in time have they been doing it for 200 years yeah if when he manages to restore his wife yes that's what wouldn't she be dead of old age this is exactly my question probably never have married him so my question written here how would red foreman ever get back what he wanted if it was 200 years in the past Oh, that's troubling. Anyway, elements of this story work. It's dark as the aughts in here, and it feels all weighty. Uh, it's got a built-in band-aid, of course, so they're free to play around with this shit. I'm actually surprised they didn't just start killing main crew. Because they can't. Oh, yeah. It doesn't they matter. Should've. They're just going to do a... We're going to run it all back at the end of next It's episode. not a season cliffhanger, but you're right. Why didn't Tuvok die in that explosion? Right. I mean, it doesn't matter. They're just... I mean, why didn't Tuvok and Seven die and most of the ship in that explosion? <laughs> right. How weak are those fucking torpedoes? Those torpedoes suck ass. He was six feet from it, and he's just a little blind. <laughs> anyway, they're going to do a time reverse at the end of next week's episode. You don't have to know anything about it to know that's going to happen. So yeah. they could actually have played around more. Anyway, <clears throat> I, I mean, there's only one way this goes, right? Uh, she's gonna some. They're gonna somehow figure out a way to use the weapon on the time ship, and it's gonna undo everything he did. Yes, like it'll that's undo, the only way this can go. Right, exactly. So anyway, for me, it's it's a huge error in logic, and I don't understand what's happening in the episode. And it's a two. Uh, Ben's a three. He says. Uh, Damn, a giant ion cannon is erasing species from time. Red Foreman's the bad guy. Well, I like this. He says, for a and then, minute, it seemed like we were getting some realistic consequences. But no, the stakes got too high, and they have to undercut those right away. Right. Yeah, he <laughs> said, so none of this is going to count in the end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then he wonders whether he actually finished keeping notes on this. <laughs> this is a common problem I, with Voyager and Enterprise. Anyway, he's a three. I'm going to have to knock my score down. Because I didn't notice that. But let's talk about the things I did notice. Okay. Uh, first of all, this one is a real mess. Yeah. What the fuck are escape pods capable of? Apparently they're going to fucking fly out of this huge Krenum Imperium space. Yeah. Both Chakotay and Janeway think they're going to reach the other side of Krenum space somehow. 
Yeah. Also, at the end, Janeway is sending those people away from the only thing that can protect them from changes in the timeline. Voyager shields, right? Yeah. So that's not great. Yeah, if those people really live the ship, how is she going to get them back? Are they going to get... I guess if when everything gets wiped, it'll all go back to the, how it was. Yo, I don't know. You want, you want, you want a couple more? I got a couple more. Okay. The astrometric sensors can detect political borders. Yeah, dude. Yeah, they can. <laughs> Boy, that definitely feels like the Enterprise computer run amok again. Like they yeah. went, uh, we need you to just look, maybe like detect radio frequencies or something, and then tell us who who lives where. Like at the beginning when Seven says we're going to enter a region of space uh, where the main species is the Zal, I'm just like, she heard that. They like yeah. they heard about that from some people. But then later. But then when they're trying to work out, you know, on day 70, they're trying to work out what the fuck happened. She's like, ah, yeah, the Garinor are all gone and like all the political boundaries shift in inside the astrometric. Like how? How though? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. How do you get that data? For sure that she told them to make the map more sultry. And then the fucking computer is like, got it. Um, hey, during Kess's timeline, uh-huh. how did Voyager get here? Mm. How did they get here to the Chronom space to undergo the year of hell that's so similar that we have this repeated scene of the Chronoton torpedo? Oh, you mean because she's the one who fucking yeeted without them? Ke- without Kess yeeting them 10,000 light years away from the board. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. How'd they get here? It's a good question. You know, fate, I guess. Just fate. Why don't we learn Anorak's name until two minutes left? <laughs> Why were they holding off on that? That feels like a scene went missing. Like, they cut a scene where he says, It's me, your buddy Anorax. You know I... It's not, it's not like he introduces himself and he says, I'm Adolf Hitler. And you're like, what? <laughs> That'd be funny. That's why we don't get to learn this guy's what name? What a twist that would be, by the way. He just says, I, yeah, I'm Anorak. And it's like, oh, it's nothing. Why were you keeping that from it's, us? It's His, very that's a type of That's a type of waterproof parka or something in, <laughs> in England, but we don't really have that here. No. So he does guys two parkas? Yeah, that's why I had it in the fucking description. I was like, finally he introduces himself. And then with your, I'm afraid with your uh, revelation that it, the 200 years thing doesn't make sense, which I just listened. I just took him at face value because I couldn't handle it. Yeah. But you're right. That don't make no sense either. I'm knocking my score down to a two. Yeah. It's, I'm not surprised they didn't do it right, but I, but they didn't do it right. <clears throat> uh, it's if- me, Tom Paris's dad. Like, <laughs> if you're going to hold off on the name until the end. You came up with two better episodes already. I know. Think of how um, that would be. That would be. You'd be f- fucking everything up with. That. It's me, the Federation president from Star Trek Six with the purple sunglasses. No, that way you can keep the same actor. That's pretty good. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that makes more sense practically, but it's. I don't know if that's as good as being Tom Paris's dad. Nah. Well, it has to be someone like. There's only a couple of people that we have uh, conflicts with on the outside world. Tom Paris doesn't like his dad. It could be Belantores' mom. Oh come on, dude! It could have been living boyfriend Jeff. Jeff could have been Jeff and he's like I killed your dog and now I'm gonna erase you from history (laughs) I deleted your dog from history and now I'll do the same to you do you think when I erase you from history that someone else will rescue that dog or will it be put down my main thought is to get rid of that dog and I'm afraid whatever I do next will undo my undoing of that dog he hated that dog yeah okay world building uh I Ben Gave it a three. 
Bang gave it a three. Uh, Red has a special ship that insulates the crew from time and is able to somehow select or reshape the time continuum. The Krenim are or were a legitimate threat, or maybe they weren't. I don't know. Yeah. They fixed Voyager using lessons from the Titanic. Everyone is an Earth scholar. And uh, none of this matters. Tuvok is blind. Neelix is now wearing a security uniform. Mm-hmm. Did he have one of those single hollow pips O'Brien style? Uh, I didn't I didn't take note on it. Okay. He was so like, cheery uh, in that scene. Well, as was, Ben said, no, don't none of this matter. By the way, I mean, some of it, I want to talk about that actually, and that, it's nowhere else in my notes, so I may as well talk about it now. He was so cheery in that scene, and it made a total sense because he finally felt like he had a job. Yeah. And it was like, I would be that guy 100%. Yeah. Where everyone was so depressed and sad, and I was talking to a blind guy who got blinded last week or whatever, and I would be like, I finally have a job I don't hate. Like, I'm over the moon. I don't care how bad everybody hates their life. Like, finally. Yep. Yeah, see, that was day uh, 65. It was 18 days later. Whatever. Um, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I gave it the standard three. I th- this is things that I presume still exist in the world. Um, we have uh, more accurate mapping in the Astrometrics Lab. Mm. Uh, Ten times the, more accurate, they say. I don't know how they measure it. There are such things as chroniton-based weapons and temporal shielding. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Voyager doesn't have fire doors or transverse bulkheads. Uh, that seems wild, but yeah. apparently they don't. It's just a three for me. Uh, yeah. What else? Uh, the obviously Red Foreman's erasing from time tech. Um, the Zal are technologically advanced, but not aggressive. Because I again, I assume we're gonna go back to baseline at the end of next week or whatever. I presume. Uh, generations ago, the Krenum controlled this part of space with powerful temporal weapons, but the Zal defeated them. Uh, 20th century films are still a thing people talk about, like just around the water cooler or whatever. Oh, from the dumb trivia? Yeah. Uh, How do hyposprays work? TP just punches in a code to get a certain drug? Yeah, previously you had to go over to the case that had three vials of blue liquid in it, pick the right vial, not think about why it had already been replicated before anyone needed it, and then inject it into someone. But in this one, it just... kind of never worked in a way that made sense. (laughs) Right, but in this one, he tells him whatever the hell he's supposed to spray into that person, and he just picks it up and just goes, beep, boop, boop, and it's like, what? Maybe the trauma hyposprays have got, like a clotting agent and something that helps you ward off shock and maybe maybe like epinephrine. a maybe a tiny little replicator maybe a little tiny baby replicator that only makes drugs it juices up your your hypo and you need a you need a special you need Janeway's command code if you want to make cocaine that's right exactly <laughs> Tuvok learned how to do a tactile interface after he went blind i don't know if that's a common thing that happens if they got a lot of blindos I don't know. They uh, they don't show it to us though, do they? No, no, no. We don't get to see it. All of the problems with the timeline and how Anorex's ship is related to it are a huge whoopsie. Yep. Which I had to give it negative world building for. I see. If I'm somehow wrong about these points, I would give it as much as a five. There's so much in here, but I'm giving it a two. Uh, hi. I mean, hi. I only gave it a three. I don't feel like I have any room to argue with you. There's a lot in there, but the main part of the episode is so fucked up, I don't understand it. 
Um, Tell me about characterization, though. Yeah, first Ben gave it a three. Uh, I Let's see. I believe that Seven and Tuvok could be drawn together based on their otherness apart from humanity. It's true that that's one reason to think they could be together, but in this one I think it's just because, you know, he got blown up because she was taking too long. So. I think they could become friends. Uh, I don't think they could develop any more serious a relationship because she's a baby and he only gets horny every seven years. Yeah, and he's married. Also, he is married. Yeah. Uh, but for me... And did he talk to his wife? Is that why we saw her? Oh, uh, boy. I think he had, like, a vision that he was oh, talking okay. to her or something. There was an alien who was making everyone think stuff was happening. All right, one of those. And he thought he was talking to his wife on the view screen. Of course she was a black Vulcan, and we neither of us thought that was appropriate. I mean, look, he can marry whoever he we're, wants. It's fine. We're just disappointed by the in yeah, the casting. Because we know, because 100% you know the casting calls said black lady. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, for me, everyone hates the doctor still. Um, he tries to make a big dumb speech at the, again, the weird ceremonial opening of the, of the astrometrics lab that only the senior staff go to. <laughs> anyway. Like, they've been working on it. They've been the ones doing it. There's a lot of real second-class citizens on this ship, but luckily it's not only Maquis, so... It's like if at the end of this project, I hold a big ceremony and I only invite you and Ben. <laughs> well, that's what we should do. Well, I'm just saying, like, we, we did the whole thing. We know. <laughs> anyway, um... Janeway sucks at diplomacy, and it's staying out of everybody's business. Because she's just always in every alien's business. Uh, very early on, the entire timeline changes, so now we'll have to base characterization on what the characters might likely do in these circumstances? Yeah. Harry Kim is a sports aficionado, he says. He does make that claim, and he does know something about the fucking Parisi Squares tournament of fifteen twelve. Mm-hmm. That's way too early, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fifteen f- space fifteen twelve, space fifteen twelve, which yeah. is twenty three sixty. Right. Um, when a Klingon choked a dude, he remembers it well. She says, basically Happy Gilmore's opening narration." What did she say to prompt him? Something like combat sports or something, and he's just like, "Yep, yeah, it was the Parisi squares, and it was the time the guy did a choke out on the other." Oh, guy. when I got choked, that dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, hey, remember that time the guy pulled a sharpie out of his sock and signed the football? <laughs> so, but that's like if you had prompted me with football. Yep, and that's I'm, true. Obviously, Terrell Owens scores a touchdown, pulls a sharpie out of his sock. Um, I, everything else is so it's all hypothetical. Like maybe this is good. Maybe this is all real characterization because this is how they would really react. But like, I don't know what to do with it. They're not actually going to go through these things. I don't know. I gave it a two based on Janeway's shittiness. She's extremely shitty, and it's very hard to take. Um, yeah, I gave it a three. I don't have a ton of notes, but, uh, Janeway literally tells the first Krenum ship that she's going to ignore their claims to this space because they have shitty guns. Yeah. Yeah. Ch- Chakotay brings a non-plan to Janeway, and then when she says no, just backs down immediately. <laughs> Doesn't care. How? Yeah, I wasn't married. I wasn't married to that idea myself. Over well, th- fuck you then, Chakotay. You know how when shows go on long enough over time, like parts of the real actor get like written into the role it's like invariably <laughs> this is what happens there's no doubt that was a beltran just coming through where well, beltran doesn't give a shit chaco doesn't give a shit either right <laughs> neither of these guys is uh you know motivated right um neelix is irritating to tuvok in any timeline yeah like tuvok can't 
even when Neelix is now doing vital work, presumably for him, Tuvok can't be cool about it for a minute. Nope. That's... I mean, now, it does suck that he still calls him Mr. Vulcan. Yeah. Like, that's racist, Neelix. <laughs> yeah, cut it out. I get that he's the only one on the ship, but he's got a name and it's Tuvok. It's actually extra reason not to call him that, because he's the only yeah. one. <sighs> I gave it a three. Fair. It's fair. Uh, all right, well, what about quick hitters, then? Uh, ben says that he liked this episode, if only because it reminded him he'd been meaning to go back and rewatch that 70s show. Uh, definitely, Kurtwood Smith is the, st- I would say, is the strongest actor on that 70s show. Yeah, and there are a lot of funny moments in that 70s show. There's also a lot of dreck, so you just kind of have to yeah, yeah, yeah. work your you way just, through just, it. Just know that it's a sitcom, and that you're watching a sitcom, mm-hmm. and you'll get through it. The, especially... Uh, especially the first three or four seasons before, um, uh, nah. I don't know, the, that kid who's like, I don't know, he's like Seth Meyers' brother or whatever shows up. Oh, yeah. I don't know how many seasons they did. He he does show up near the end. Right. Yeah, that, like, uh, that's not so good. Uh, you could have just you could have just knocked it off. But we've probably called out this scene in the past on this show where um, Raquel so didn't wash his hands after he played with those dogs. <laughs> he just been playing with like a bunch of dogs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Kelso is for sure our dad's favorite character yes. on that 70s show. If he remembers that show exists, that's his favorite. He likes uh, that Fez is a racist caricature. For oh, sure. yeah, yeah, that's right. But Kelso is definitely his favorite. Uh, I got some quick hitters. Um, this scene in Astrometrics mm. is the new worst blue screen ever. Oh, was it really bad? Again, I was only kind of, I had like one eye uh, on the screen. It looked like Wing Commander 3. <laughs> it's not good. No. It's like uh, it was Mark Hamill and a guy in a giant Kilrothi suit just standing against a very bad low-res blue screen. <laughs> uh, I, hope, I hoped at the beginning that Janeway kept updating the timeline for us. You know, this has been hell's own Fortnite. This has been the month of hell. Sure. This fiscal year was Satan's doing and so on. Right, 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 right. But no, we just got the week check-in. Oh, it was so bad. I, they always make her say things that are so cringeworthy. Yep. Of course, Janeway's ready room was full of dirt and rocks, just like you'd expect. <laughs> I just, as soon as I saw it, I went, oh, you're just going to be pretty mad about this. It's first of all, also a huge beam had collapsed in her ready room, and it's like, does that not hold them hey, anything up? What was that doing there? <laughs> it's not. I guess it wasn't. How come the rest bearing. of the ship is fine? It wasn't a load bearing beam. It was just for art. Oh, it's just decorative. Yeah. Jesus, uh, it's surprising that they don't have like when part of the roof collapses like that, that someone doesn't turn to another character and go, uh, and now you know we're all breathing asbestos because what's going on? <laughs> Something wild just happened there. Uh, there is some great dialogue, though, in that scene. Janeway says, sorry about the mess. And then Chakotay says, you should see my place. They haven't looked as bad since the Academy days. Yeah, it's a, it is a kind of dialogue monstery, but I have an even greater objection to that scene. You should see my place. They, they haven't <laughs> looked as bad since the Academy days. So what happened in that scene was someone thought my place made more sense or sounded more natural than my quarters, uh-huh. but they didn't rewrite the rest of the sentence. Yep. Oh, yeah, someone crossed out quarters and just put place in the yeah, place. They just read and the rest. They still left it is. with they haven't looked at, as bad since the Academy days. Oh, do you want to hear my objection to this scene? Yeah. Oh, let's have it, please. Okay. Janeway goes to her ready room after the big explosion. 
and she leaves Chaco to watch the bridge. We cut to her entering the ready room. Yes. So she has theoretically just left the bridge. Yeah, about three or four seconds. Chaco comes in three or four seconds after that, and she jokingly apologizes for the mess. And like you said, Chaco says the dialogue monster thing. But he says, you should see my place. Oh, yeah, he's been to what? his quarters. <laughs> How has he already seen his quarters? He was on the... She left him. I saw him. He was standing right there on the bridge. His quarters maybe got wrecked up in a previous unseen attack. That's the only thing it could be, because she left the bridge 13 seconds yeah. ago, and he was standing right there. Also, she told him to watch the bridge, and he followed her and right he into didn't. her ready room. He just went, mm, nah, I got something else I gotta do. <laughs> I gotta he, go talk to you. If Picard went to his ready room and told Riker to stay on the bridge, we'd have a scene where he was just uh, standing out there giving looks and looking suspicious while everyone's like, he raped a lady. Uh-huh. I'm being totally serious. We've already talked about like five different things about this episode that make it seem like it was heavily rewritten. Oh, yeah. And just, like, no one knew where how to put it all back together. Uh, does Chakotay think escape pods can cross Kranum space? Can escape pods cross Kranum space? What are escape pods? Good question. Uh, yeah, and then I've covered everything else. How did Voyager even get here the other time? And also, how did political divisions appear on the scan? <laughs> and I just uh, At that point, I had lost my mind and I stopped taking notes. I give Best Actor to Anorax and Worst Actor to Obrist. Yeah, he was mostly just kind of saying the words loudly like this. He definitely was. Like, you know in the first season of Babylon 5, that lieutenant that Ivanova doesn't trust? What the fuck is that guy's name? Oh, yeah, I know that guy. Uh, I, I don't remember his name either, by the way. I was a real one of those guys. You know, it's weird. While you were saying that, I was thinking of the best way to phrase this because I was being a dick and not listening to what you were saying and thinking about what I was going to say, which is this is exactly the kind of guy Babylon 5 would have hired. <laughs> so, yeah, we're on the same page. I'll try to pay more attention in the future. Uh, you know, now I think that guy's from a later season. He's not from season one. That's from around the time when there is. She doesn't trust him because they're getting ready to become independent from Earth Force I think or something. he starts to show up uh, at CNC, like, in Season 2, but then all that stuff takes place in Season 3. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, boy, did you have some quick hitters? Honestly, I've already talked about all of them. It's rare for us to get in and out on Voyager this fast, but I, I've already peppered all these in. I was just so angry to see Chaco walk in there. Uh, I traditionally ask this at the end of Part 1's, Matt. Are you looking forward to part two? I mean, I kind of am because this one was such a mess. Like, I'm, I kind of am looking forward to hate watching it. Like, it was 40 minutes of no one understanding what was going on, and now they're finally, they finally know who the bad guy is. So I guess there's that. Uh, I'm worried it won't be as bad then. Yeah. It was, it was fun watching what a bad job they were doing. No, but surely Anorax has got to, like, try to wipe out all of earth or something right don't the stakes have to get real high um they'll probably try to wipe out voyager certainly we already seen him try to do that his ship can only go warp six i don't know how yeah. he, can get to earth. <laughs> he ain't gonna get to earth but no dude you know what's gonna happen do you know who he beamed over there uh he beamed over tp and chuckles okay a real you know what chaco's a... gonna do he's gonna be real calm oh that's that's true he's gonna talk to he's gonna talk to anorex real calm he's gonna be like you lost someone important to you <laughs> I understand that. I lost someone important to me once. You know what I mean? He's going to do the I'm cool with aliens thing. 
And then will Tom Paris kick him in the nuts? Yes, and then they'll be like, ah, oh, sorry, I didn't know what we were... I thought we were doing good cop, bad no, cop. No, dude, you know, while he's talking to Anorex, TP's going to work with Oprist, and he's going to turn him. Oh, good. There's like a 0%... I don't remember. There's a 0% chance <laughs> anything else happens. That That is the only thing that can happen. That's why those two were beamed over there. TP's going to work on, on Oprist, and Chaco's going to be in there fucking talking real quiet and not making any sudden movements with Anorex. <laughs> that is his thing. Yeah. Oh boy. Hey, um fourth place last week was uh TOS. Mm. Yeah. This week <laughs> we watched the way to Okay, I'll explain. <laughs> Someone just walked past my window and I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Who's going back there? Uh, so I think uh, it was a freaking poltergeist or something. Uh well, I thought it was like UPS, because the UPS guy knows which door I answer. Oh, uh, okay. And he like walk around and leave something on the back porch and then rap on the door three times and walk away, but it wasn't him. So Poltergeist maybe thing. we're getting robbed. I don't know. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed having guitars. Yeah. Uh, last week was uh, fourth place was TOS. This week we watched The Way to Eden. Enterprise is chasing the stolen space cruiser Aurora. Mm. Spock detects six life forms aboard, but they're not responding to hails, and they turn and make a run for Romulan space, which they're apparently pretty close to. Yes. Um, Enterprise locks on with a tractor beam, and Aurora overloads their engines trying to escape. Scotty manages to beam the crew out as the ship explodes, and it is a bunch of dang old hippies. Mm-hmm. Oh, we all remember this one. One of the six is the son of the Catulan ambassador. By the way, they say this a hundred times. I never understand what the stakes are. He's connected. Yes, I guess. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Here's what you have to imagine, because this one is about 1967. Mm-hmm. This is some senator's kid. Right. And they've hauled him in for doing hippie crimes. I don't know. Uh, Chekhov recognizes the voice of another one of them uh, as being Irina, and he is correct. Yeah, he does a real Star Trek thing where, you're right, he hears her voice over the comm and then has like a fucking loud freak out on the bridge. I could hear your voice over a walkie-talkie, and I... If I didn't expect that you were there, I'd be like, "That's uh, I, I, why am I listening to this walkie talk?" <laughs> That's right. There's like n- literally no chance. I'd just be thinking about Babylon Five. There's no way I'd even be paying attention. Kirk goes on down to the transporter room where they're doing a sit-in, and he asks the son of the ambassador, whose name is Tongo Rad. It's a really good name. It's like a super good, it's name. A good name. It's a little Star Warsy, but it's very good. Yeah. Uh, for an explanation, and everyone just gives him the silent treatment. It turns out, though, that Spock, who also went down there, knows their groovy lingo and hand signs, mm. and their leader tells them, hey, we're looking for the planet Eden. Kirk says, that's one of these space myths. Yeah. You know, these mythical planets, it's basically like Aldea. These mythical planets that for some reason are based on other myths that happened on Earth previously. Yep, that's right. Eden anyway, this one's called Eden. Uh, and everyone calls him Herbert, and they tell him he's stiff, mm-hmm. so he makes them Spock's problem. Yeah. 
He does. Uh, so he he uh, like Picard. He delegates this shit. Ah, uh, for sure. When he gets back to the bridge, Chekhov says, "Hey, I think I went to the academy with one of those hippies." And Kirk says, "All right, go talk to her. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I've I've already been told I can't throw these people in the brig or space. So <laughs> that's right. Might as well go down and talk to her." Uh, Spock shows back up on the bridge and he says their leader is Dr. Severin, a.k.a. David Christ, I was say. A, fa- a famous scientist and engineer, and uh, all the others. These are also these are intelligent and accomplished young people. It was really too bad about the accomplished scientist and engineer or whatever. Famous scientist yeah, and yeah, engineer, yeah, yeah. because when he f- said that the cult leader was named Severin, I went, oh, fuck, it's all coming yeah. around. That guy's name is Dr. Severin, and if you smoke him out, he'll fix your radiator. He'll, he'll definitely fix your cars up for mad cheap, um, but also, he says he fell on a knife? Yeah, that can't be His brother definitely stabbed That's him. That's not right. <laughs> Sorry, um, this is not the therapy episode, I apologize. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, these are all uh, these are all uh, college-educated kids mm. who were hanging out with this hippie. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Kirk is shocked to hear that. I don't know what he thought they were. Uh, but Spock tells him, oh, yeah, I kind of get it. These guys are rebelling against our planned, civilized communities. Kirk says, all right, cool, but this has been uh, eating at me for a minute. What's a Herbert? And Spock says, Herbert was a minor official known for rigid and limited patterns of thought. The hippies play a song in sick bay. There's so uh, many really, songs in this episode. It's really bad. This is the first one, and as soon as it happens, you go, "Oh no!" <laughs> I know because you go oh, because it's 40 not minutes a song left. moment. So you're like, "Oh no!" <laughs> if they'll sing for this. At that moment, I checked how much time was left, and I went, "Oh, we are in for it." Yeah, it's a long. It can be a long one. Yeah. Chekhov walks in just as Irina fi- finishes up her physical, and the orderlies have to drag Severin in to get his. Right. And Chekhov says, how do you end up with these hippies? And she says, how do you end up in Starfleet? Which is weird because they met at the Academy. Yeah, it's like, you know, you know how this works. I'd be like, at one point she must have had the same idea. You went to my graduation ceremony. What are you talking about? Uh, they do a bad one-act play about their relationship, and he sends her back. Uh, and when they get back to sick bay, all the hippies are agitating for the release of Dr. Severin. And McCoy has discovered that he's carrying a disease. And if the hippies did find a primitive planet to live on, it would wipe out all of the native population. Yeah. Because this is industrial disease from the Dire Straits song, Industrial Disease. They said that. They actually mentioned Dire Straits, which is weird because the time it is odd. The time doesn't it is, really work. It is really odd because like, they didn't form for about another decade. Yeah. Uh, Kirk has Dr. Severn put in isolation. And McCoy thinks that the crew and the rest of Severn's people are probably safe due to their broad-spectrum immunization, but they won't know for a day or two. That doesn't end up mattering. I like um, how he doesn't mention that some of them haven't been vaccinated because their parents were dumb. <laughs> right, yeah. Anyway, anyway, a bunch of the crew have bullshit religious exemptions, so... <laughs> we might be fucked. You know. We're, we, actually, we need to go back and see Flint again. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it turns out we need more Rytalon. He's not going to be happy, yeah, but we need more Rytalon. We need to leave on good terms. Uh, so Kirk sees Sulu getting uh, all seduced by uh, one of these hippie brunettes. She gave him a pet rock, so. Yeah, yeah. He uh, He steps in and breaks it up. Everyone gets treated to another hippie song. 
And uh, Kirk sends Spock to see if he can reason with Dr. Severin. And Spock says, listen, I can help you find Eden, because apparently the trouble is we just haven't been looking. That's right. But with the ship's computer, I'm I'm very confident that we can find He's it. He's like, look, uh, we assumed it's bullshit, so no one bothered to look. But but, but you got to tell your people to uh, stop inciting the crew to disaffection, yeah. which is a... Which is a very legal criminal crime. That's what they say. So you gotta knock it off. I guess it's like sedition or something. We know Tongo Rad's daddy is a big a big wheel at the cracker factory. Uh Bongo Rad. Probably Bongo Rad. <laughs> Almost certainly Bongo. Uh anyway, if you guys do this, if you keep doing these crimes, the Federation's never gonna let you settle on Eden, even if we do find it. And Severin admits that he knew he was a carrier and that he was restricted to travel only in advanced areas. And he says a bunch of bonkers shit about his disease being the result of technology and only primitives being able to cleanse him. Yeah. And uh, Spock and I are on the same page because smash cut to the bridge and Spock tells Kirk he's insane. (laughs) Yep. Dr. Severin is insane. (laughs) I know. I know I said all that stuff a few minutes ago about how what an accomplished scientist and and whatever he is, but yeah, no, it turns out he's fu- he's fucking mad. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I did make a promise, and I would still like to look for Eden, and I'm going to need Chekhov's help. So now the music man comes to visit Spock at his workstation. By this the guy's way, name, it turns out, is Adam, but no one has said it so far. It's an anorak situation. There's a uh, There are a lot of ideas about what this guy looks like, but um, to me, as soon as I saw Adam, I thought, this guy's fucking Quentin Tarantino in a wig. It is Quentin Tarantino in a like a curly blonde wig. He looks terrible. Quentin, you look only, bad, man. He he's the only one of these guys that has shoes for some reason. Yeah. Well, he's and he's smart. got knee-high velvet boots. <laughs> he pl- he's playing a weird space guitar. Yes, he is. That's like it's like made of a broomstick and three banjo strings. It's a real wild thing, and it can make any kind of sound you want, but usually it sounds kind of like a synthesizer. Uh-huh. Uh, so this guy shows up, and he sees that Spock has a harp, and he says, hey, we got to have a jam session. Can we please have a jam session? And Spock says, yeah, I mean, we do what we want on this ship, so <laughs> yeah. I think we can have a jam session. He literally picks it up and hands it to Spock. And it's just like, let's do let's go. Let's do it. And meanwhile, uh Irina visits Chekhov in auxiliary control and starts asking a lot of questions about it under the pretense of an apology. Mm. And Chekhov is too horny to notice anything is amiss, and uh they do some kisses before Spock interrupts. But anyway, we see the hippies all together again, and sure enough, they're trying to recruit the crew. By the way, this <sighs> and is kind of what... tells them all about auxiliary control. This is kind of what they were worried about in that episode with um, the guy who was black on the left. Yeah. But they didn't talk about it in that episode, but they showed a lot of scenes of people looking disapprovingly as the as and, the guy tried and, to radicalize the crew. And also Kirk never told that guy, knock off the communist claptrap. Like, they just <laughs> let it happen, yep. and, and Spock was just peering in and going, hmm. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it's time for the ship's concert. Mm. Uh, Spock sits in. But during the concert, Tongo Rad sneaks away and frees Severin, and the two of them break into auxiliary control, and they change course for Eden, which I guess Spock did find, but didn't say anything about. Yeah. Uh, 
the crew notices and all the hippies have gathered together in auxiliary control and Severin says I will destroy the ship if you try to break in but he also knows they're gonna anyway yeah so and meanwhile they've violated Romulan space it's a whole thing uh, not like the time when Kirk just fucking on a whim decided to go in and steal that cloaking device no <laughs> Uh, so they're they're three hours out from Eden. Uh, Severin alters some circuits to build a sonic weapon. Ultrasonic. Uh, yeah, sure. An ultrasonic <laughs> weapon, which he says will just knock everybody out so that they can get off the ship when they get to Eden. And then what? But it, it turns out that no one cares because Irina and Tonga are both like, now that's going to kill him. You know that's going to kill him. Yeah, but he, he says... I don't know what, why are you pretending that's going to kill him? And he goes, all right, but we have to. No, no, he says to Irina, no, 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 that'll be okay. And then he says to fucking Tongo Red, Bongo Red's kid, uh, that, yeah, they're going to die, but who cares? Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> he feels like Irina cannot hear this, but the other guy's cool. Yeah, to the, to, 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 to Tongo Red, son of Bongo Red, <laughs> he does say, <laughs> oh, like it's us or them. That's right. Um, a phaser starts cutting through the wall, which I guess is easier than cutting through the door. Because they don't try to cut through the door. Oh, well, they'd see that coming. Yeah, I guess so. It's a trick. Well, this, it turns out they have a lot of time to think about this one, too. Yes. Severn goes over and turns on his weapon, which affects Spock first and then everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody collapses. Uh, but during the escape, when they're running to the shuttle, Kirk and Spock recover, and Kirk disables the weapon, which I guess he didn't think about. That they might not be down for the count? Well, theor- theoretically, after they left, it was supposed to turn on again and kill everybody. Yes. But well, I guess he didn't... Either he didn't think that they'd wake up or that they wouldn't be able to figure out what was happening and stop it. I don't know. Well, last time we talked about He's how insane. If, they tra- if the Borg tried to assimilate Kirk, he'd just scream no and the tubes would fly out of him. Yeah, that for sure. This is sure. what happened this week. He just... Until the ultrasonic weapon, he said no and just got up and went over and turned it off. So the hippies have stolen a shuttle and landed on the planet. Yeah. Kirk and Spock and Chekhov beam down with McCoy while Scotty watches out for Romulans up in space. And they try to contact Severin. uh, But just then Chekhov touches a flower and gets a terrible acid burn. Mm. And hey, um, maybe man's not supposed to go to Eden, right? Everything here is toxic, et cetera, et cetera. Suddenly that's the take. Toxic. Right, exactly. Uh, They find Music Man dead from eating poison fruit. Yeah. Well, he had shoes, so he didn't burn his feet. And then Spock, to everyone, very somberly says, his name was Adam. And, like, spikes the lens, and you're like, yeah, okay, we get it now, Spock. Well, Spock is the most Christian of everyone on board, so he's particularly conversant in these things. Uh, Most of the others, though, didn't eat that fruit, and they're all cowering in the shuttle with burned feet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because even the grass is highly acidic. That's why they Um, sent fucking what's-his-name out. Right. Severin screams that they're not leaving, and he takes a big bite of a pear and dies. Everybody else beams out, and the Enterprise takes him to a starbase. Chekhov apologizes for getting carried away with Irina, and Kirk says, well, go say goodbye to her. But I guess time was short that day because she shows up on the bridge for a goodbye kiss. Yeah. And Spock tells her to keep looking for Eden because he's sure she's going to find it. It's like, I thought they just found it, though. Okay. And then I guess as she leaves, he yells, that was a metaphor. (laughs) That's right. The journey's actually the destination. Matthew, what's this one about? (sighs) Look, I know the take suddenly becomes man wasn't meant. That's not the take. That's not no. the take of the episode at all. The take 100% is not. peace, love, and rock and roll are at best a distraction and at worst a communist plot. Yeah. That's what we're doing, right? Late 60s? 
Yeah, this one's super regressive for sure. Yeah, I just I put fuck with a lot, a lot of use. It's a yeah. long fuck. <laughs> uh, it's a one for me. TOS is really eating shit, man. Like they just did the writers change because season three has been full of stuff like this. Uh, well, Gene Roddenberry entirely checked out. Okay. And they did bring in a new producer who made a lot of TV shows, but did not give one shit about Star Trek. <laughs> Somebody apparently gave a shit about the man who he was fucking yeah. all in on defending. Well, and so this is the problem is that the show, this show basically did not have a showrunner and they took scripts from all over the goddamn world. We talked about how Sherry Lewis, yeah. puppeteer of Lamb Chop, wrote one. Just trying to get herself on the show and failed. And so every different writer had different politics and there was no one saying, no, nah, this isn't us. Yeah, this isn't the this idyllic. Isn't, this isn't the future. That Once Gene Roddenberry wasn't there going, that's not how it's going to be. Everyone's going to fuck everyone in the future. <laughs> oh, even, and I want to see it. Even dudes will fuck other dudes. It'll be wild. I want to see it on screen. Put them in the back fucking. Uh, marriage is a disease of the mind. Like my bitch of an ex-wife. Oh, that's still around in the future, though. The other show's got that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um... Once he was out of the picture doing that, there was just like whatever the writer wanted to say that week was what the show said. Because you remember what we found in that Black on the Left episode was that the episode was actually about how there's a lot of bad people and good people on both sides. And, yeah, don't don't make waves. And don't Quit make waves. waves. Be patient, blacks, women, everyone else of the world. Just like wait it out. You know, I'm still, just like, we're all tired just be of cool, you. Just be cool long enough for me to be dead. That's all I want. <laughs> that's right. Well, just to not have to deal with this. We're all tired of you making noise all the time. It's so annoying. And that's this was the hippie version of that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, ben gave it a five. Yes. Uh, he says, cho uh, choosing to follow a false prophet is an act of rebellion, nah, not of free thinking, or something like reliance on a dream to make you happy can lead you down a path to hell kind of thing. So those are different. But it's uh, both a little undercut by the fact that uh, there was actually an Eden, though not one they could live in. Yep. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's a two. And I think that the big take of this episode is academics are leading your kids astray. Right. And they're going to find out that the real world is a hostile place. Of course, it had to be a fucking scientist, bro. Yeah. They're yeah, so afraid of the learned. This is one of the least metaphorical of all of the TOS allegories. Like, this is just like, it's fucking Timothy Leary yeah. and a bunch of other so-called PhDs. They're warping your kids who had promise. Exactly. Yeah. Your kids could have had crew cuts and been in the army, mm -hmm. but they went to college and they started getting all these liberal ideas. Anyway, it's now purely they sleep in the dirt and eat dirt. Yep. Yeah. Don't be a hippie. Listen to the authorities. It's like... It's not that there's not no take. The take is garbage. It's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, there's a definite take. Actually, the I take, gave it a two, but it's a one. The take hits you over the head. Like, the take is so obvious, but it's yeah. it's absolute fucking trash. It's just, it's just the, it's just the fucking opposite of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. At least the Star Trek that I wanted Star Trek to be before we did 75 weeks <laughs> of this we project. We were very dumb. We discovered the absolute hatred of science and <laughs> intellectual honesty and all kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, dude. I like how they're so afraid of the communists, you know, but they act just like the communist regimes do, where everyone who's intelligent is some kind of reactionary and has to be eliminated. <laughs> and you're just like, what is happening here? Um, yes, we were very dumb to try to bring a critical eye to this fucking <laughs> mass of shit. Anyway, how do you think it did, though? One. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um... 
all of the characters are wrong in this episode. Well, I'll talk about it again in characterization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's so bad that I consider it an execution problem. Like they put all of the speeches and actions in the wrong characters' mouths. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of recorded music being played every time Adam goes to sing. You can hear the fucking needle drop. Yeah. It's like the sound quality is very bad. That's just a very minor thing. Well, it uh, would be minor, but we had to hear like nine of those fucking songs. Yeah, but it happens all the fucking time. Uh, Enterprise is the easiest ship to take control of in the history of science fiction. It was This week was especially easy, but I will just ask you to set your mind ahead to the time <laughs> when three Ferengi take over the Enterprise D. At least they have guns. I know, they did bring guns, but there were three <laughs> of them. Um, they have the children realize that Dr. Severn is going to kill everyone, but then no one even objects to it. Yep. So that scene was useless. It's just wild trash. The planet is named Eden for no reason other than to have Adam eat a poisoned fruit. Yes, exactly. But Spock even hangs a lampshade on that, too, so you don't even get the joy of discovering what they've done. No, you're right. There's no time that passes between the find, between them finding his body and Spock saying that. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, if Spock had said, I knew it. I knew it. His name was Adam. I knew it all along. <laughs> if he acted like a real Tom Cruise in there. I, that's not quite an apple, but I knew what was going to happen. I said it. I said that. I said that. Yes. If he was Tom Cruise playing what's in the box. Exactly. For sure. Uh, sorry. Uh, ben, ben gave it a three. Yeah. Um, some notes that I pulled out of his execution. Oh no, they saved some hippies. These boys won't get annoying at all. Uh, the easiest ship to take over in history, as we mentioned. Oh, thank God, Adam, the curly hair is dead. Pretty lame analog. Uh, Adam eating literal poison fruit. Yeah. Uh, lame is the exact correct word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was with you. I, I gave it a one. These writers are the worst. It's a wet fart. They hate hippies, protesters, civil rights, technology, computers, scientists. Like, of course they make the hippies totally unreasonable and dangerous, just up to insidious plots and shit. (laughs) Yep. Also, science has somehow infected this guy with an illness. Yep. The concept of it? What's happening? Yeah, it's real trash. And then I just wrote, can't we stop doing TOS now? I don't want to do the last ones. I don't want to do them. Is it just more of this? We have four more to do. So fucking brutal. Does the next one take place in a city in the sky? And there are some like people who do mining or something underground. And it's a class warfare kind of thing. Yes. (laughs) I can't wait for their fucking red hot take. Do we still have to see Abraham Lincoln oh, no, and I fight Genghis Khan? Yes, we do. That is still coming. They're not buddies like is they there, are in Bill and Ted. Is there another time travel episode coming? I think there is. And we get and then one finally, more Dr. Pulaski. Turnabout intruder. Yeah. Which, who knows, maybe the best of the remaining four. Only time will tell. God. Uh, let's see. I can do some world building. <clears throat> The Aurora Space Cruiser, which was stolen. The TOS tractor beam seems invisible. Nothing was animated on the screen. 
Um, oh yeah, they, even in, even in the remaster, they didn't bother to put something in. Yeah. Uh, negotiations with Catula, I guess, are ongoing, so that's why it matters. <clears throat> yep. That Tonko Rad is among these people. Um, the myth of the planet Eden. I guess it's in Romulan space. Turns out to be poisonous and terrible. Spock says this guy inherited his father's great abilities in space sciences. He he knows that's not how it works, right? <laughs> yes, he, he should. But who knows? Maybe it is how it works. <laughs> you just inherit it, I guess. Uh, we got space psychedelic rock and space beatniks. Um, incitement to disaffection, as you mentioned, is criminal directives about where this guy can travel because of his contagious science illness the auxiliary control room ultrasonic weapons i see this as a three but uh maybe you could tell me how you how you saw it uh ben has it as a two he mentions the aurora design i want was Uh, it like that in the original did it look like that? Uh, it was a Tholian ship with two nacelles pasted on it in the original, so they cleaned it up a little bit. Okay. Uh, space hippie monks, plants can have acid in them. He gives it a two. I agreed and gave it a two. Okay. Uh, Synthococcus novi. Okay. It's like Streptococcus, but it's you know it's synthetic and also new because of science. Right. Uh, Herbert. It seems unlikely to me <laughs> that uh, that someone could use an insult and know its etymology at the same time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, cause I, the effect would be lessened in your mind. You'd have too much nuance. Yeah, exactly. And also there's always a better story. Like the end of the etymological story that people tell uh-huh. is always better than the real thing too. Yeah. So, you know, maybe Spock's heard that it's named after this one particular minor official that they don't even like. Maybe they don't even know his last name, but, but the, probably the hippies people don't. just started saying it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The hippies don't know that. Uh, yeah, Catalan relations, travel restrictions, planet finding procedures. Uh, Spock goes into some detail about how they find planets uh, by their effect on other known planets. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that seems real. Musical instruments of the future. This guy is fucking blown away by the sound of Spock's harp. Uh, just sounds like a harp to me. I don't like. It sounds like a bigger harp than what he's playing for sure. Oh, he looks playing a little toy harp. Yeah, he's got a little lyre there, and you know it sounds like a whole harp when he strings it. But then the guy's like, "It reaches, oh, man, man. That is that is so now. Yep. This, this is just a real now. Yep. It reaches." Uh, yeah, it, uh, Adam. I think Adam reaches it. Yes. If I understand, <laughs> or it reaches correctly. him. Like I don't remember. That, it doesn't. I think it's backwards of how it would make sense for okay. it to be. Yeah. I gave it a two. I reach it. <clears throat> okay, that's fair. All right. Yeah, I know you had problems with the characterization. So, yeah. Uh, first of all, Ben's a one. Whereas Uhura, uh, Chekhov's dad was named Andre. They're trying to set up Chekhov as a straight man versus his old friend, but it doesn't land. Why is Spock so invested? Everyone except Kirk seems pretty out of character. Uh, I think Kirk is even more out of character. Okay. I thought it was a real odd choice to have Kirk be super rigid. Yeah. Like, Kirk is usually pretty goofy. Yeah, they give you a smile and a, right. a nasty shat eye. And have Spock be the cool one? Like, yeah. nothing that these idiots are doing is logical. Yeah, why was he so into these fucking And he's idiots. the science officer. Uh, so those two are flipped. 
uh, it's a wild choice to pretend that Chekhov has always been uptight and by the book when this little horn dog can't keep it together at the OK Corral or Apollo's Temple. Or fucking on the troll planet. Oh, yeah, Remember on the troll planet. Remember those white-haired trolls? God, yeah, you're talking about the morgue and the eye morgue? No, maybe no, not. No, the one where they'd never heard of sex. Oh, the apple, in the, the apple. The apple, yes. Where, yeah. Where they had to t- tell him about sex, and he couldn't keep it cool on that planet either. He was doing that little fucking guest starlet of the week or whatever. Yep, 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 yep. <clears throat> I mean, this dude is horny in made-up situations, and he's, but we have to believe that he's the, he's always been super rigid and uptight. And I thought the only th- And he's always, like, fucking joking about shit, about how Russia invented this and Russia invented that, and he's got the fucking monkey's hairdo. Right, yeah. He's the joker of this cast, but not this week. The only thing that felt correct character-wise was Scotty's curmudgeonly distaste for the hippies. That felt right to me. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it was a one for characterization from me. I thought it was a real nightmare. Yeah, like what we didn't need was a Chekhov romance, romance backstory. And of course... Oh, by the way, she's Russian. Of, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> of course it was a Rusky. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, I know that. <laughs> of course she, it's a rusky she's a retard or something uh Chekhov seems embarrassed by this lady when people see him together um so I think he knows that she's she's an unsavory character um because the writers do Kirk hates hippies yep but he's also very worried about what they think of him Kirk who by the way uh went native this year Kirok? Kirok. <laughs> yes he doesn't remember. No. It's too bad. <laughs> he had such a good time on that play. Like he was it was like an idyllic fucking paradise until he got fucking performance anxiety and couldn't open that fucking tomb. Yeah, he fucking lived as a Shoshone Indian for six months he, or whatever they the had fuck. So but many, now it's these goddamn hippies. They had so many shirtless frolicking scenes in that episode. Like he was enjoying himself. It's too bad he can't remember. If your dad wasn't the junior senator from West Virginia, I'd have you in the brig. But am I right that he's way too worried about what the hippies think of him? Like, he gets uh-huh. back on the bridge oh. and he's like, yo, what are they saying about me, though? Oh, yeah. that. By the way, that 100% felt right to me when <laughs> when Spock was like, anyway, I've got, I think I've got a mouse on his guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's a Herbert? What's a Herbert? Why do they call me that so much? What's it mean? Why were they Is call- it bad? Usually people like me. Why were they calling me a <laughs> That's Herbert? Right. I'm very confused about it. I don't that. understand. I was a jock in high school, so can you explain <laughs> yeah. to me why they're calling me that? I know these kids. I understand, I understand them. Uh, Chapel thinks the hippies should be in cages. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, like I said earlier, a, a hippie gave Sulu a pet rock, and he almost went hippie. Uh-huh. Uh, Spock understands the hippies who feel that, uh, they are aliens in their own societies, Oh, he says. by the way, if you ever have to rewatch this episode again... I'm never doing it. Uh, this is it. This is the last time. That's why it's actually kind of exciting we're almost done with TOS. Watch that hippie and the other girl that doesn't sing. And they are constantly trying to hide from the camera. And they, if when you read the behind-the-scenes material, they're like, yeah, we knew what that episode was, and we were just trying to stay out of the way. <laughs> uh, Spock d- makes some bullshit explanations for why he's so with the hippies. He says that they also feel they're aliens in their own societies. Okay, cool, Spock. Yeah. Um, no piano no piano waltz this week for Spork. It's just hippie jam time. Um, and like you said, Scotty also hates the hippies. Um, I give it a two. Well, how about some quick hitters? <clears throat> um, 
so as Ben pointed out, this week we got White Uhura again. Yep. This makes me mad when we have White Uhura. Uh, they gave hippies the scary TOS music when they beam aboard <laughs> in the first scene. Yes. So I knew what we were in for with these hippies. That they were going to be fucking evil, insidious bastards. Uh, I already said the Quentin Tarantino thing. Um, Kirk says to pass on to Starfleet that, regrettably, the space cruiser was destroyed. Will he mention to them that he destroyed it for no reason? <laughs> <laughs> that he wouldn't let it out of the tractor? Romulan space. He was like, he had it in the tractor beam, and they're like, no, they're not, they're not going to stop. They're going to blow up if we keep doing this. And he's like, I I guess they're going to blow up. I don't know. And then he's like, I'm out of there. He's just like, pass on to Starfleet. Regrettably, it was destroyed. Passive. Yeah, for sure. Fucking asshole. Uh, This professor's bald cap is terrible. Yeah. You can see it like bunching up in the back of his head. Um, The rest of the stuff I've already mentioned. Uh, Ben says that this is intended to poke fun at both sides of the hippie movement. Uh, I think he's being charitable. Mm-hmm. He thinks that uh, curly hair dude must have tucked his wang because he was wearing such a short skirt. Yeah, he was wearing some tidy whities or something. And he hated the music, and I agree. It wasn't good. It wasn't the good psychedelic space rock that I love. Uh, whoever this is, uh, I have some notes. Whoever remastered this episode designed that space cruiser in one hour. They only spent one hour on it for sure. Well, I mean, Ben liked it. Uh, then I wrote, uh, fuck, man, someone had to write this on paper. Uh, someone like, delighted. In the 60s, the first draft was probably handwritten. Somebody delighted in writing this on paper. Yeah. So, like, finally, maybe, the hippies are going to get everything they deserve. Or maybe the first draft was dictated to some poor secretary. That's right. Uh, Make sure your tits hung- are out while you're typing. They, uh... They hunger for an Eden where spring comes, says Spock. All do, says Kirk. (laughs) I love it when they have a poignant moment on the bridge. Uh, The show's getting canceled so we can do belly buttons now. That's right. Arena's just got hers out. Those fuckers from standards can eat it. But also the hippies can eat it. They put Walter Koenig in a ton of makeup this week. I guess this was his big romantic episode, so... They really caked it the fuck on. Yeah, they probably figured he was going to be in close-up a little bit. I described Dr. Severin as having all of the cauliflower ear. Oh, well, yes. The guy, I forget, no one mentioned he has some kind of weird fucking He's an fish alien ears or something. or something. Yeah. That's fucking now, man. It sounds just like a harp. <laughs> yep. He was very impressed. How come Music Man is the only one of these guys that has shoes? Mm-hmm. Why are they all wearing these hard-boiled egg brooches? Yeah. And the fucking guitar sting when they find Music Man dead is awful. Yeah. They see his body, and there's a big electric guitar sting. I'm sure... It's it's the worst. I'm sure Spock steps on it, though. I just want to be the one to point out that he he ate a fruit. He's holding a fruit. He ate it, and he died, and his name's Adam. We're on Eden. I wish there was a fucking snake around here, but you get it. Let it record. Let history record. I said it. I was the one. Uh, this is tough. Best actor, Spock, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes, TOS is often tough. And I gave worst actor to Manic Sulu. He was giving that woman a look like she was a bunch of floating space knives. <laughs> it was real bad. I forgot that's his great fear. 
<laughs> He's afraid of knives in space. All are. <laughs> I was looking at him in that scene and I was like, did she do something weird? Because Decay looks fucking batty. Was he, he was taking... just trying to pretend he was attracted to a woman. It was very difficult for him. I thought maybe he'd taken acid or something. Like, he looked I mean, it fucked did... up. There was no drugs in this episode, and that's odd. That was an odd choice, <laughs> yeah. that the space hippies oh, didn't yeah. give drugs to the crew. You'd think they'd be all. afraid of the drugs, but just science. Or, you know, space drugs or something. Mm-hmm. Like maybe with a little electric device that went woo-woo-woo and made you high. I don't know. Sure, sure, sure. Maybe you play a game or something, and then when you, when you, put, the, <laughs> when you put the disc in the cone, <laughs> you get a little high. Oh man! Maybe things didn't change that much between the two shows. Uh, it'll be fun when we get to talk about that episode and speculate as to whether the writers had ever played a video. Game. <laughs> There's no speculation needed. <laughs> I mean, look, either you know these games, you're always trying to get a frisbee into a, <laughs> into the, a trombone or something <laughs> into the horn of an old Victrola. <laughs> you get it, and then you're high as a kite. The games control your mind, you know. Yeah, um, there's no speculation needed. I guess I guess the only spe- speculation for that would be, do the writers not know, or could they really not find any graphics people capable of doing a game? And they just went, uh, well, what we got is some discs and some cones. Those are the assets we already have. So that's what we can animate. Yeah, let's, uh, we can only do... You can only get one texture, and we can only do five polygons. So, <laughs> what do you? What do you oh, want? we can do. Yeah, we can do Bezier curves, but they got to be simple. <laughs> um, Matt, the only thing I have to say left about this episode is I have been dreading this episode for <laughs> seventy-five whole, weeks. Yeah, the whole project. And I had was not able to remember which of the episodes with names that could have been this one yeah. was this one like the apple sure. and the children shall lead like there's a bunch of stuff that could have been this hippie episode i am so glad that it's done well like i said a couple minutes ago there is a certain amount of excitement to finishing <clears throat> tos in this project because <clears throat> sorry i definitely think i will never watch tos again i mean it's it's been on it's been sliding it's been sliding for a while i just feel like now that I've dissected it, oh yeah, so completely, what's left for another yeah. run through? What am I going to do with it? I didn't enjoy any of it, so I mean, you know, there's random episodes that are like done I mean, well. Everyone liked uh, how Mark Leonard as yes. the Romulan commander was in love with Kirk for no reason, but less than enjoying that, I thought it was just like they did a good job. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited that I I I will be done. I won't ever have to watch it again. <sighs> but we watch third place last week was enterprise okay this week we watched the season three finale zero hour i've got shit in my pants that makes me a boomer they should just put it in the lyrics so that everyone knows because he only said it in the one episode. <laughs> Boy, can you imagine if season four started by recapping what a boomer was? Oh, yeah, in the last time on that they keep doing. Yeah. <laughs> Just a scene of him going, so, yeah, I've, uh, I, you know, I'm not, I, look, I've done it. I've crapped my pants. I'm a boomer. Oh, by the way, I don't watch those, so I'm not, dis- I never describe what happened last time. Netflix uh, is very kind and just starts after those. Yeah. Skip recap button is real nice. Yeah. Okay. Dolem and his boys 
are eating mice and being generally arch. Yep. Uh, the good counselors and archers team are giving chase in Degra's ship. The guardians crank anomalies up to 10 around the primary sphere. Yeah. Uh, T-Pole and Trip are preparing a deflector pulse, but Trip is worried that it's going to cripple Enterprise, and T-Pole sort of doesn't care. Sure. Uh, Mayweather detects the uh, strange region around the sphere, which is like the rift where they found that guy in the pod. Yeah, the Jello rift. It's like all not one anomaly, but it's a bunch of shit is merged. Flox uh, thinks that the crew will succumb in twelve minutes if they go into that space, and that's with his. Uh... Even if he gives everyone yeah. a neuroleptic, right. Star Trek's favorite word. Yes. Uh. Hoshi is feeling the effects of her torture and doesn't seem to quite know where she is, and she feels guilty about giving Dolan the third code. Uh, and Archer is pushing her hard. Yeah. He's even planning to take her into the weapon with him to overload it. Right. This is not time for to be sentimental. Uh, also, for Archer, that time doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> well, only about his dad, I guess. Yeah. Suddenly, Archer appears in a big arena, hmm. and Daniels is behind him, telling him he's watching himself sign the Federation Charter, and telling him that he should let Reed or someone else go do the mission in his place, because he's too important to the future and he shouldn't risk himself. Yeah, at this point, they've already like raised the objection in real time, like, uh, I don't know, someone's going to have to like stay there and blow it up or whatever. And Archer's already gone, I'll do it. This is going to be me. I've been dying to kill myself. It's me. I'm the one that's going to do the suicide. Okay. Flox uh, is making a will. Yep. And T-Pole arrives to get the neuroleptic he's prepared. They drop out of warp, but the disturbance has gotten even bigger. Anyway, he's improved the neuroleptic. They're going to have 15 minutes when they go in. Okay. Janar has identified that only Dolem's ship is escorting the weapon. The reason I'm just saying sentences is because this fucking thing cuts from one scene to another instantaneously. Yeah, you would be fucked if you were trying to do an A plot, B plot on this one. You'd yeah. be like all over the place. Uh, Enterprise enters the disturbance. The weapon comes out of the vortex two million kilometers from Earth and they start preparing the firing sequence this weapon takes the most arming yeah they had to stop last week and come out to, to arm it and now they've got to arm it again uh so they start the they start the firing sequence trip starts noticing some cracks in his skin no one's worried about it no that's just what happens uh dolem's ship blows up the unarmed research station yosemite three for no reason yeah really uh, Enterprise starts firing their deflector pulse at the sphere, and three guardians materialize in engineering and start attacking. Uh, the beam shuts down a little bit, so now they're on the, you know, are they going to make it out in time? The usual dumb thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're running out of time, and the cracks in their skin are so big now. Dolem goes to intercept Degra's ship, and at that moment, Archer gets a call from his old buddy Shran, and he's followed them through the vortex somehow. He's just been kind of tracking them all throughout the Expanse. It's weird. Yeah. He's been on his own adventure that's probably better and oh, probably God. doesn't include piracy, and we don't get to see it. I know. 
Uh, Phlox tells the Makos how to modify their weapons so that they can harm the Guardians, although it just seems to discourage them. <laughs> it doesn't do anything. It's so dumb. Yeah. I mean, they leave. They yeah. start leaving the area where they're getting shot at, but, but I, otherwise they seem fine. I can't be certain why watching it, because they don't appear to be getting hit by anything. So it's weird. It makes them sad or something. Yeah, I don't know. It emotionally affects them in some way. Uh, Shran starts fighting Dolem's ship and guides Degra's ship into the sphere, and the away team beams over and takes out Dolem's lieutenant and all the guys around there. Uh, by sphere, that time you meant the weapon. The, the weapon. The Jesus, yeah. There's too many You're spheres. Right. It is the weapon that time, which is spherical. Yep. Archer starts overloading the weapon. Hoshi's telling him he's got to switch these pipes. He's got to take them out and turn them over he's in the other do direction the and put them back pipes. in. And there's the right order, so yep. don't fuck it up. Don't get these fluorescent tubes in in the wrong order. Or it just the whole thing's fucked. God, this God. Okay, yep. Dolan realizes the weapon's under siege and turns around. Uh, a Mako falls to his death fighting a lizard, and Hoshi loses her pad. Yeah. But that doesn't turn out to be anything because she remembers the sequence. There are a lot of places you can kick someone over like it's Star Wars. Uh, or like it's, uh, you know, nemes- Nemesis or Insurrection. They, I think they both have long catwalk sequences. Oh, yeah. Well, the, there's the one at the end of uh, Insurrection on the Collector that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah it's that. real similar. Yeah. Well, that, well except there's a, there's a chance for Picard to say cool lines. Because That's true. Cool stuff before it blows up. <laughs> Uh, Trip destroys the primary sphere and the network starts collapsing. Archer takes the explosives from Reed and sends him to the beam out point with the others. He plants the charges, disables the weapon, flips the last circuit to overload. But then Dolem shows up and he's like, um, he's like way big around for some reason. <laughs> yeah. He's, I don't think we've ever seen him stand next to a normal person. He's a real like, beefy boy. Look with his shape. He's a, he looks like an old-timey bodybuilder. Yeah. Uh, he uh, drags Archer out of this pit he's been working in, throws him off a ledge, but he dangles and manages to get back up. The weapon shakes all around. They fight. Alarms start blaring. Shran blows up Dolem's ship, so he has nowhere to go back to. Jannara can't get a lock on Archer to beam him out. Archer slaps an explosive puck on Dolem and blows him the hell up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes a run for the outer shell of the weapon, and we see the weapon explode. Oh, no. Yeah. T-Pol and the Enterprise are waiting at the agreed-upon coordinates for Degra's ship. And while they wait, they uh, she and Trip discuss how the spheres are gone, the anomalies are gone, the expanse is becoming normal space again. Mm-hmm. She tells Trip she's 65, and that Vulcans consider that intimate information. <sighs> yeah. So, you know, she's letting him in. And Degra's ship appears, and they can't communicate with it, so that it's not until they dock and the door opens, and it's just Reed and all the others, but not Archer, that they learn that he <clears throat> didn't make it. Oh, no. Yeah. The Aquatics engulf Enterprise again and start flying them to Earth. Uh, the unnamed primate counselor tells Teeple they'll be back in a day. Uh, These guys are fast. And also, the council, in case you didn't ask, but the Zindi Council is reconvening. <laughs> I, I hope even someday the reptilians will join us again. And uh, Archer's sacrifice is not going to be forgotten. And T-Bull goes back down and talks to Phlox about healing and time, etc. She's talking about the cracks in her skin, but they're, you know, it happens on multiple levels. It's a metaphor. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, but Daniel's told us that if Archer dies... It's just everything's so fucked, though. 
Yeah, but Archer told him that the future will just have to happen another way. All right, well, we'll see. <clears throat> Enterprise arrives at Earth, and uh, the aquatics leave before they check out that everything's okay. Like, they don't wait to see you put your key in the door or anything. Yeah, 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 they're gone, and now you're sitting there, and you're fucked. And, uh, boy, people can't get anyone from Starfleet. They can't raise anyone. Yeah. The orbital platforms are gone. Lunar One colony's not responding, so... She puts Trip and Mayweather in a shuttle and tells them to go down to San Francisco and find out what the hell's going on. Mm. But as they approach San Francisco, three fucking P-51 Mustangs approach and start shooting at them. It's everyone's favorite moment. Cut to a medical tent where everyone is speaking German. Yeah. A bunch of Nazi officers come in huh. and they want to look at the burned but living body of Captain Jonathan Archer. Oh, good. He's alive. Also... One of the SS guys is an alien. Some kind of crazy alien with red eyes. End of season three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah, What's, um... Matthew, what's this one about? Uh, let me just start with Ben, who gave it the non-take. Pressure, like trying to keep your jobs, does not improve television writers' creativity. <laughs> so that's his non-take on that. He gave it a zero. Uh, I went with the very standard, the mission is more important than the man, because Archer fucking insists he will die, and it will save everyone, and it's gonna happen, and it's gonna happen that way, and he's gonna do it. And then he does it, except does he? Anyway, it's a five. I know how he got down to fucking Earth. I gave it a five. (laughs) Just a standard, down the middle, nothing. Whatever. Oh, boy. What about you? Uh, How'd you feel? I spent a little time with this one. Okay. This is the last one I watched, and I slept on it. Before you um, watched it, I did apologize for the last five minutes. You did. You said you had nothing to do with it, but you were sorry. Yeah. And by the way, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, here's the take that I have extracted under great pressure from this episode. Okay. You can only be responsible for the present. The future will have to take care of itself. Archer does feel that way. I don't know if this message is good or bad. Hmm. Archer has no reason to believe Daniels. Daniels sucks. When he, when he tells Archer to send someone else on the... Like, why should he believe anything that this chode says? <laughs> yes, he exactly. shows up when he wants to. He's uh, Archer has seen him about five times total. Yeah. And so far, it seems like he's been telling him the truth. Well, it but, also seems like he doesn't really know what he's doing. But how is he any different from the Guardians? And he doesn't seem competent. Yeah. And he's constantly telling Archer stuff like, listen... Uh, there are pe- people I work with don't want me to tell you this. Yep. And it's like, hey, <laughs> I, I, I know what I have to do in this mission. Yeah. So maybe I'm not going to listen to you. But the other thing is that he has such a profound death wish this whole time. I don't know if he's being honest about why he disregards Daniel's advice. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, I kind of up. I had to cook the take, and then I'm kind of up in there about whether it's anything. I only gave it three. I hope. I don't believe it, but I hope some of his motivation for wanting to die, some of that crazy, dark, guilty feeling, is about our friend Damar. Who Who's floating we around didn't check there. in on. Nope, no one even bothered. I, not clear to me that Archer even told, like, Jannar yeah. to, hey, can you Listen, find this guy? We left a ship stranded. We'd be really super. Could you send the aquatics to pick him up yes. and take them home, please? Yes. And also tell him we'll we'll get him back next time. Like, hey, we wiped out all of those spheres and the whole expanse is going away. Do you think you guys could? Can you help this I guy mean, out? I totally. If he's alive, can you help him? 
I for sure I I really I really did piracy and I feel very bad. It was about space it. piracy. It was there's nothing else to it. I just I'm gonna own it. No, I but <laughs> I wish he was like that, but you know he's not thinking about that no, guy at all. No. No one will ever no, find he, him. He's upset about mm, uh how this has changed him or something. Some or crew maybe, died? Some crew must have died. Yeah, some crew members died. Major whatever. Or maybe he doesn't want to have to go back to exploring space now because now he likes piracy. Well, he, I don't know. He wasn't good at space exploration, to be fair. Yeah. <sighs> Execution. Yeah, do it. Uh, ben gave it a three. Yes, he did. He says this seemed all fine, but it also seemed to move real slow until at least halfway through. Mm-hmm. Uh, the temporal assholes are getting involved. Hooray, Shran. Can we get a spinoff series of Shran? He's more heroic and less weepy than Archer. Says his, ant- his antenna yeah. have a more have more of an acting range than Bacula, etc. Uh, another pull out. God, I wish I could in any way believe Archer is dead, is what he says. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Be great, right? And then, it, why are they in an alternate timeline? Yeah. I don't have the patience for it, etc. Um, he gave it a three. Uh, I gave it zero points, of course. <laughs> Most of the show is fine. It's fine. There's a lot. There's a lot of action that makes you think about how delayed everything was for weeks getting here, and now they've just got to fucking slam it along. Yeah, they're not good at pacing, are they? But then there's a lot of catwalk fighting, Ugh. like the worst parts of Insurrection and Nemesis and uh, Phantom Menace. And also Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, wait, people like that also, part. Also, the end of uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Which one? Re- Which one? Uh, fuck. The third one. What's that one called? Uh, yeah, Revenge of the Sith. Sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, I when forgot. they're fighting on that lava antenna? Uh, the fucking uh, the conveyor belt in lava? You talking yeah, about that basically. One? Um, so uh, I actually forgot people like that part of Phantom Menace because it's the only part of the movie where anyone shows any emotion. That's true. Yeah. Um, and then they sp- have no time. They don't even get a second to think about the end of this long arc. And all of a sudden they're in World War II and they're alien Nazis and it's a whole fucking nightmare. It's in- uh, That part is so crazy. I don't even know what to say. Not the part with the alien Nazis. Like, whatever. The part where you spent... <laughs> Like, literally, we were on the home stretch for about 15 episodes. Yeah. Like, this dragged out. And then you don't even get a minute to sit with it and go, wonder what adventures we'll have next year. You're just, like, you're immediately in the next thing. It's just, it, and it's, it's making me be Lewis Black over here. Right? Like, all of a sudden, he's a boxer now? What are we doing? It's, yes, it's very confusing. Except in that show, you know he leaps. Yeah. Yep. It is like a quantum leap. Sorry, I didn't mean to hijack your execution. I was done. It's a zero. Okay. I'm done. Uh, let's see. Here we go. <clears throat> Everybody in the episode points out that literally anybody who can walk and push buttons can do this job on the weapon. <laughs> but Archer seems hellbent on killing himself for some reason. Just refuses to not sacrifice himself. Then they make a big dumb fist fight happen with Dolem, so not only does Archer have to sacrifice himself, but he gets to look even cooler doing it. <laughs> Including running away from the explosions at the end. I mean, just wow to that scene of him with the explosions going <laughs> off and he's running toward the camera and you're just like, really? They did that? Okay. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> the plot kind of moves along fine. It's great to finally put this to bed because I was ready for it to end a long time ago. That's what happens when you when you fucking speed up to the end and then the end takes forever. Um, always great to see Shran, but even he was a little bit cheesy in this one. Yep. And um, again, a real fucking are you serious moment when they get back to Earth and we're already on another dumbass adventure. Yeah. They couldn't start it next week. They couldn't just be like, well, it's going to be a different world now, you know? can't go back to the way things used to be or whatever like there's just nothing they're just like wait where's our where's where's starfleet what's happening it has been suggested i think with no evidence that this was a big fuck you to the network who was considering canceling them and they're like like, good luck the show ends with a huge fucking cliffhanger dipshit it's not like star trek fans are obsessive you should be fine uh for me i gave it a three the last five minutes was very bad but uh on the whole, the episode was just regular bad. How dare they? Uh, world building. Yeah, what'd you give it? Ben gave it a four. Uh, let's see, I pulled out... I like how they kept continuity with the ass-kicked look of Enterprise. Reptilians have red blood, splashed from Dolem's exploding body. <laughs> yep. So that's, that tracks with uh, the others, Indy, because we saw that, what's his name, Degra had red blood. Uh, one's age is considered intimate info to a Vulcan. I only gave it a two. <clears throat> the reptilians straight up eat earth mice, it looks like. <laughs> I mean, they had they were at a funny coloring, but sure, they sure did look like rats. Um, Aldebaran drum set. That's that's worth something. Um, the Yosemite 3 research post. Despite the devastating attack on Earth not long ago, there are no starships anywhere near Earth. Yeah, that weapon gets there, it is, and it's abandoned. It's undefended. I mean, we know there's only a couple more in the works, even, but well, still, we know there are well, more because they could they didn't borrow some Vulcans. We know there are more ships because of the time the Klingons tried to get to Earth, and like four starships attacked them. All right. So what? They were there to meet the one Klingon ship, but they're not here to stop the end of humanity. I mean, they don't know when it's coming. But, but what post are they on? Like what? Boy, <laughs> they didn't scramble, huh? What important mission are they doing? Ugh, um, the sphere builders have fancy phasing powers that don't really do anything. They <laughs> no. spend entirely too long with their hands inside of Enterprise, and, like, shit gets a little weird, but nothing really happens. They attack too soon. Like, they started wrecking up the place, and Trip's like, uh, the power of the beam's down 10%. And you're like, what? <laughs> Is it? It's like, and then they were sticking their hands in those superchargers or whatever, and I couldn't tell if that was doing anything. I didn't see anything happen. I didn't know what was happening with anything that had to do with them. They're, listen, they're only good at standing in fog. They're not. <laughs> this is all new to them. Are they trying to scare Enterprise? I guess. Transdimensional phased weapons to kill the sphere peeps, but don't work at all. The yeah. bolts still just went right through them, and they were like, you were right that they like ran away, but it wasn't clear why. I didn't know what yeah. was happening. I uh, saw so it was if one of them had said, "Next time they'll get it right. Let's move." <laughs> I think they're going. I think they got the right would've idea. Would have made more sense. Yeah. Uh, the expanse no longer will exist soon. It's like uh, reducing now that the spheres are gone. The Zindi Council goes on without the reptilians, at least for now. Um, uh, everything with the uh, overload was straight out of TOS. The lights turn red when you put them in the overloady way. 
Oh, that's so you know not to do that. Which is just a thing that's designed into the system. And that if you put it in in the right sequence, you can overload it. Do you remember when Scotty's wrench was stuck? Yes. I do remember. And he had to turn it. Why was that better? (laughs) I mean, I remember having a lot of criticism of that moment. So I don't know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's two for me. I I just... I I didn't reach it. I gave it a one. Okay. Uh, The Federation will be formed by humans, Vulcans, Andorians, and Tellarites, per Daniels. Also, Journey to Babel. Right. Uh, uh, We see the end of the Expanse and the shaky reformation of the Zindi Council. But then we're going to do Alien World War II? Yeah. Is that going to be good world building? <laughs> is it good that there was an alien SS officer? Well, I'm sure what will happen is that will turn out to have never have happened because they'll do a time whoopsie, right? One point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. They'll do a time whoopsie on it. Yeah. Somehow. At the end, uh, Archer and Teepole will look at each other and say, I don't know, does time travel make any more sense now? And then she'll, they'll just go... Uh, it kind of doesn't. Uh, it just kind of doesn't, though. I really I want them to stop doing time travel, except that I know they're going to get into eugenics, and it's not going to be better. Oh, fuck me. We have the eugenics wars. It's not going to be better, and they're also going to do the mirror universe. They're going to bring data back, too. Jesus, God. They're going to do the mirror universe, too. It's not going to be better. There's stuff that's not going to be better about this last season of Enterprise, I should just tell you. Not to mention the first couple episodes that we're going to have to spend with fucking alien Nazis or whatever. <clears throat> Characterization. Sorry, I know now you're bummed out. It's, ext- it's extremely depressing. Like, the fact that there's only, t- uh, I don't know, 25 of these goddamn things left is something, right? Yep. But They're not wolf. good, though. They're not going to be good. Uh, characterization. Is Archer a little suicidal because he knows he's done some shit and worries he can't be redeemed? That'd be nice to think about. Hoshi's been through a lot, but she gets a lot better by the end, so who knows if it'll ever come up again? I would guess it won't. She'll probably just have to get her mojo back every week, as always. T-Pole continues to open up to Trip. Reed wants to be a hero. It's not a character episode. Uh, I gave it a four. Okay. Uh, Ben gave it a three. Uh, Hoshi mistakes Archer for the reptilian for a moment, and it's not hard to see why. (laughs) <laughs> also i don't have time for this archer still has no idea how time travel works that is true he definitely thinks time is passing in the real world while he's in there with daniels and also maybe it is maybe it is i don't know who knows <laughs> oh daniels doesn't know either don't ask him he's not clear on it daniels really seems like if i was in that position like i'm daniels <laughs> or i'd be like uh, i wish i was better at relating to people and getting them to do stuff it's just not the part of the job that i'm good at you know like i'm real organized you know, like I keep a tight calendar, but like, I don't know how to make him do what I want. I'll show him him getting the Federation going. Maybe that'll work. Uh, he just yelled you're, at me for an hour. You're the guy in the blue jacket way over there. <laughs> By the way, we got some wild shit in that scene. Um, Here's what I got for characterization. Reed and Tucker both seemed surprisingly not all in on this mission. Reed complains about using an injured Hoshi on the mission and Trip complains about maybe ruining enterprise in the attempt to disable the sphere network yep they must have forgotten all of humanity is at stake 
And also, yeah, they do. The stakes do seem to have changed for them, don't they? Also, seem to have forgotten about Florida. <laughs> His sister, Florida. His sister, Florida, who died tragically. Hoshi is maybe distraught about cracking under torture last week, or maybe just delirious from injuries and stuff. Yeah. Um, Flock seems pretty cool about updating his fucking last will and testament, and then he confirms that it's just a cultural thing. They like it. <laughs> They're into that shit. They think it's cool. They love to tell you who's getting their money when they die, mm-hmm. how much of it's going to cat charities, etc. Exactly. As I, I have come to believe most wills probably donate a fair sum to to cat charities t-pole's almost 66 jolene blaylock is not a great actor so i didn't buy her chat with flocks and the dog no it wasn't good but i guess she's sad and she shares intimate info with trip which i guess means something she tells the dog did you hear that flock said you'll be okay eventually but she's talking about herself (laughs) it's so bad and so hack Archer suicidal. Shran comes to save the day and still refuses to admit it's because he's in love. Yeah. What's he playing? What's his game? We all know what's going on with you, buddy. Uh, it was a four for me. Did you bother to write down any quick hitters? Sure. Oh, let's have them. At least one of these sphere builders has got to be the female changeling from DS9, right? They all look like her, but I don't know if any of them are. Because what was she up to? I don't want to look it up in case she died right after that. But I'm just saying, like, feels like they were all her. Uh, she's still alive. Okay. Uh, fucking spoiler alert on these opening credits. Now I know Shran's going to show up and probably save the day. But dog, she's um, she's in the chase. She's the uh, female. I knew that. She, they, okay. they look identical. She, like, used the same makeup. Like, you can tell when you see By her. By the way, is it, is it wild that I knew her name? I do not know her name. What is it? Oh, it's Salome Jens. Yeah. But it doesn't say she played any other sphere builders? Nah, it's oh, not her. Yeah. She has no credits on Enterprise. It's weird. She was in the video game Star Trek Hidden Evil and also in Star Trek Online. Right, yep. As voices. Um. Anyway, so I just I knew Shram was going to show up because I saw him in the credits in the opening. Um. Has uh, Dolem always been wearing those corduroy robes under those tubes? <laughs> It's a it's a wild because we've seen him shirtless, and then right when he was sunning himself, yeah, and then when all of a sudden when he's got his full council shit on, he looks very different. Yeah. Uh, can nobody see Daniels and Archer just hanging out up there above the ceremony, <laughs> talking very loudly? <laughs> now I it looks like they're in a World Cup venue. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, they're at New Wembley or whatever. Um, but still. It's. I just found it wild that that Daniels is so fucking cavalier with this that he's like, let's I just ass- talk at the ceremony. Like everybody important is on the stage. I assume that the thing is going on right then, mm-hmm. although we don't hear it. It's not being amplified. If so, all you hear is at one point you hear some applause in the background. There are they in like a skybox? What's the deal? <laughs> Maybe, but it's just such a wild he's idea. Like, I turned off the TVs, but there are nachos. It's right. You can. Uh, I paid for the the good package so that you can get into the fridge. There's beer and stuff. It's it's actually a pretty cool time here. I haven't been here for something like this, but I did I did see a soccer match the other day. Um, Dolem doesn't know how to prioritize. Just decides to go out of his way to blow up an unarmed station. I guess to stall for time. Yeah, and then later one of his smarter lieutenants says, uh, 
the human sh- the humans are no longer aboard the Degra ship, and he's like, the weapon. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, it's so bad. Even after they um, change their weapon frequencies, they appear to go right through the sphere builders. I already said that. I may have warned you early in season three that we were going to be doing something even dumber in season four. Yeah, but I didn't. Now I get it. I actually didn't remember it started as a cliffhanger at the end of season three. <laughs> so even I was pretty outraged when we're just seeing the alien Nazi hanging out there, and it's like, oh, we're doing this already? Because I knew that was coming and that it was bad. But we're already in it. It's the, the speed at which they get into it is what's so shocking. It's, about it's it. really a wild idea. I think you're right. I think whoever said it is right that they must have been just <laughs> being like, try to cancel us. Try to do it. Everyone's everyone's going to love not finding out yeah. what this alien Nazi was about. Like I said, they would just be like, it's not a big deal. It's not like Star Trek fans are obsessive. I'm sure you'll be totally fine if you cancel us now. Fucking Star Trek fans would freak the fuck out about that hanging thread. Anyway. What about you? Uh, I have a couple. Ben points out that there's a weird sepia tone light inside the anomalies. Yeah, when uh, they fly into the jello space. I also mentioned the running sequence with Archer. Uh, I just have two. Yeah, of course, Phlox plays the drums. That makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> yeah. And um, why did we see Hoshi drop that pad if she's just going to remember which vacuum tube gets flipped next? Like, it's no big deal. It's definitely a huge who cares. What was the point of that scene where she's like, oh, I got shot at and I dropped the pad and now it fell. Well, uh, and then literally and- 10 seconds later, she's like, no, nah, I remember. And she was having trouble focusing earlier, so you're like, oh no, she, that's going to be a 50-50, it's going to be a 50-50, and Archer's going to have to put one yeah, in and hope. Make the but call. nah, she just tells him which one to do next. It was, yeah, yes. I gave best actor to unnamed primate Zindi counselor. I'm super mad that this guy doesn't have a name. Yeah, he couldn't just at the end said, by the way, I'm Anorex. <laughs> by the way, my name is Anorex. I've always been Anorex. Uh, worst actor I just gave to the rat brunch. Uh, <laughs> that was so it's just like when I saw the Council of Monsters for the first time and I couldn't believe it I just couldn't believe that it was happening oh man you know the only sad part is I won't get to see Dolphin Boy and Dolphin Girl ever again because <laughs> I'm never watching these again either oh my understanding is the Zindi don't like keep showing up uh, no and we knew that from the other Star Treks that all take place after this and we ain't never heard of them no so whatever <laughs> happens to them it is not important you guys will eventually become a very, very minor part of the Federation. <laughs> yeah. Like, almost not not at all important. Good thing he didn't tell them that part. Uh, no one will ever hear from you again after this, but you'll be alive. Ooh, boy. Yeah, we got two more. <sighs> yep, but um, we're through the three worst finishes from last week. So And most weeks. And most weeks. We do get to talk about the two better performing series. Second place last week was Deep Space Nine. Yeah. This week we watched Indiscretion. I wish they'd gone even wilder with that big old drum and just hit it at extremely random intervals. It's like, <laughs> boom, boom. Or just fucking put the, the Spake Zarathustra, bomb, 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 just right in there. Why not? <laughs> I'm going to do A plot, B plot on this. Oh, please. Uh, it, DS9 usually at least makes that easy because the two don't connect ever. And then they're <laughs> always, they cut from one to the other at pretty regular intervals. So DS9 is really settled into the pattern of big story, small story. Yeah. A plot. Kira gets a message from an old friend, Roz Kakarn. 
He says, yep. come and find me in the Badlands. I've got a lead on the Ravenock, some kind of ship that's been missing for six years. Credits. Can you believe this guy just has that voice, by the way? Oh, he's got the... Um, that guy is in Babylon 5, by the way. He's in Babylon 5 also? He, uh, after the Great Burn, he's one of the rangers hiding on Earth. Oh, wow. He does not seem like he has the body type. No, <laughs> that's why he's hiding as a monk or something. Okay. Anyway. Uh, this is Sir Nicole Rami, just in case anyone yes. hadn't put this together. Uh, yes. Uh, Odo wishes Kira luck on her search for the Ravenock. Sisko comes to Kira and tells her that the Cardis want to send somebody to help her uh, look for the ship. Guess who it is? Gull Dukit beams on board. Uh, allow me to make a minor correction. Okay. Legget Dukat. Oh, is he a Legget now? I wasn't paying yes. attention. His uniform is different, but I don't think they say it. Well, he is the leader of the... Right. Datapa Council. I don't know what they're called. I don't know if the Datapa Council still exists, but he's the leader of the new civilian government. Uh, Dukat and Kira. Then why is he a Legget? Okay. Uh, well, he's the military attache to the new civilian government or some horse shit right yes uh he beams on board and oh boy what a surprise uh, who the fuck was it gonna be <laughs> i mean we only know one cardassian who's not garrick so yeah i guess it could have been a vec yeah that would have been a real who cares from <laughs> the opposite of shock everyone would have gone oh. oh all right okay i kind of thought it was gonna be ducat but i guess we'll, what Kira would say. we'll hang out with a vec um ducat and kira chatted up on the way to the badlands a lot of rehashing the past. Ducat is really trying to get close to Kira for some reason, but she hates that. Well, he's taking a very bad tactic by telling her how he thinks the uh, occupation was good for Bajor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he made them stronger. How it really tempered her Bajor and steel. Uh, Ducat confirms the debris is from the missing ship, and Raska tells them to go to the Desaria system. To, I guess that's where it was last spotted or whatever. When they get there, they land the runabout and wander around in the desert because of some technobabble nonsense, as usual, about not being able to scan from orbit. Uh, until they find the wreck of the Ravenock. They find some old rock graves. Uh, Ducat convinces Kira to let him dig through them, and he finds an earring and a bracelet that throw him for a loop. Yeah. He admits to Kira that this Bajoran here in this grave... He has a real Anorax moment. I think. Yes. <laughs> I hope he clutches those objects for the rest of time as he searches to repair the past. Um, He admits to Kira that this Bajoran here in this grave was his lover. Kira finds records in the broken ship uh, that it was attacked by two unidentified warships. <clears throat> they walk around trying to find the rest of the ship's missing crew because she ain't found her friend yet. And then they shelter in a cave. Uh, Ducat sits on a spike of some kind and they have some silly ow my butt hurts stuff they have a real good laugh together and eat this is the stupidest scene and eat some nasty rations Kira says she found records of another non-prisoner civilian on board whom she has ascertained is Ducat's daughter which he admits but Ducat tells her he has to kill his daughter if she's still alive uh, Kira tries to talk him out of it. Ducat says uh, this half Bajoran daughter could be used against him. It's his big weakness if anybody found out about her. And also, like, she wouldn't be happy anywhere either. So it's also for her? It's for her. Uh, they find the remaining survivors being pushed around by some Breen who I guess are keeping them prisoner here. Yep, and they definitely are also the alien that Princess Leia pretended to be oh. in Jabba's palace. 
Yeah, I forget that dude's name, but yep, yes. Kira says uh, she'll kill Ducat if he hurts his daughter, whom they notice among the prisoners. Then some brain suit tomfoolery happens, and <laughs> off screen, and Kira and Ducat do a big jailbreak. Kira's friend that she's been looking for died a couple of years ago, says some prisoner. Kira and Ducat shoot some more breens, and Ducat sneaks up behind his daughter. He's about to give her the blast right to her face and everything, but in the end, he can't go through with it. Back on the station, Ducat says he's taking his daughter Zial back home with him. Um, maybe he's learned a lesson. Who knows? Yep. B plot. B plot. <laughs> Cassidy scares the hell out of Big Ben Cisco by telling him she wants to work for the Bajorans and live on the station, and he's like, "Whoa, red alert! I'm afraid of getting too serious." I mean, he thinks that. He says it to her in the next scene, at dinner. He's like, "You want to live here?" <laughs> And then she walks out. And then in the next scene, Cisco talks it out with Dax and Bashir and Quark. And then Jake blows up Cisco's spot at breakfast. Tells him about what to do to make it right. Tells him he's been talking to Nog about it. Yeah. That's the worst. Cisco thinks so too. <laughs> anyway, Cisco goes and acts really proud of himself when he says, Okay, I guess it's cool if you live here. She isn't initially swayed, but he stands entirely too close to her and talks down into her face holes, and she gives him. Yeah, he's a lot taller than her. Then, it's a it's a little intimidating. Then she says she took that Bajoran job anyway, so she didn't really care what he thought. Anyway, that's the B plot. As usual, literally just nothing to do with the A plot. <laughs> Completely unrelated stories. Ah, what did you think? I, ha- I have tied them together. I did as well. Okay, <laughs> they're, just, they're just not. The, they have nothing to do with each other. But yeah, ex- for sure, they except, don't inter- they don't inter- intersect except at the beginning. Cisco tells Kira that Ducat's coming to dinner, but like yep. that's not part of that plot either. Nope. So yeah, he's in that. He's just in both of them. Uh, okay, so take. I think it's maybe that this is something like, and you can tell how confident I am with that <laughs> start. Maybe something like you can only overcome selfishness with the help of others. Okay. Like, if selfishness is your problem, you can't overcome it alone. You need other people to help. Uh, Ducat must have told Kira his plan so she would stop him. Literally nothing else makes sense. Yeah, otherwise you'd be like, oh, good, I'm going to save my daughter. This is going to be so great. And then you'd sneak up behind her and gat her. And Sisko went out and got all kinds of advice after his own selfish reaction to Cassidy's news. So that's pretty weakly tied in. But, you know, it took other people to help him see what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, sure, he didn't really ask Jake for advice, but he picked Dax and Bashir somehow. Yeah, and sure, Quark came in and said his terrible stuff, but... Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with it as a take. Again, not sci-fi, not Star Trek. I gave it a four. Yeah. I put it in the wrong box. I gave it a four. Uh, Ben thought a little bit higher of his take. No one is totally beyond redemption and everyone deserves a chance, which he gave a seven. Ooh. It feels like not I a really, super hot take to me, but I really feel like this one's a big step back for old Gul Dukat. Me too. If you want to know the truth, I don't think this is uh, showing that he deserves a chance at redemption. Yeah. Uh, my take was don't be a dick. The ladies in your okay. life aren't a personal weakness. Seriously. A stop being a dick. Yeah. Right? Ducat and Cisco with versions of the same problem? Question mark? I guess some men still need to hear this, but I don't find it personally very enlightening. I gave it a five. Yeah. You know, he sees his 
Bajoran girl is a weakness. Cisco sees his relationship with Cassidy as some kind of weakness. Yeah, part of the kind problem. Why well, fuck it? Let's get it. Anyway. What, what's your what's your execution? Here? Uh, I like Dukat and I like having him around, and I think it's a good idea to give him more backstory, and this will do nicely for that. I don't buy that Kira and him would get along so well when he was a total monster during the occupation, and she was a freedom fighter who tried to have him killed on Terok Nor. And he would have loved to have her killed. Like, it doesn't take much ability at all to hold two truths in your mind. This guy's a monster responsible for countless Bajoran deaths, and I have to be professional because of this treaty, and not forget one of them. Yeah. Well, but what if he sat on a cactus, though, uh-huh. and then he didn't know how to use the butt fixer? Right, it wasn't even on. That'd be pretty funny. But she's... And if you laugh with a guy, you can't be mad at him. She seems like... As long as they aren't going to kill each other, they may as well be buddies. Yeah. Which is a bit far for me. Uh, I know it would be, like, really hard to do a lot with Dukat's character unless he's rehabilitated a bit, but he comes from the starting point of a terrible war criminal. Yeah. So that's, like, you too bad. Like, you've started in the wrong place. And also, we have already had 15 episodes that contextualize Dukat. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we know... That he doesn't believe in anything yes. and that everything is for personal gain. But that also means that he won't go out of his way to do shitty stuff either. We know that he missed his son's birthday. He was going to take him to Lacarian City. Yeah. While he was busy uh, working. Yeah, that one. <laughs> the one with the fanfic where... Yes, where Cisco definitely Cisco railed that chick. Yeah. Yep, definitely nailed that. They had chemistry. Uh, Obsidian Order overseer. Hey, you suppose she was in that fleet? I don't know. Oh yeah, she's probably gone for um, sure. So anyway, I don't buy. I don't buy it. It's a, it seems fake to me. All this stuff with Kira and Dukat, but whatever. Uh, this Cassidy Yates running plotline just doesn't matter. I know there's a twist coming in in real life. Like I know that that maybe will mean this all pays off. But if I were watching in real time, I wouldn't know that, and I'd be annoyed by this. Hey, would you say that twist uh, is in an episode with a ridiculous title? Very well. I'm asking be. because Deep Space Nine is about to get off the hook with titles at some <laughs> oh, point. Yeah, I don't have Landry open. I should open that. That's what I normally. And do. they start becoming like looking for Parmok in all the wrong Ugh. places. Yeah, that's that's not art. Uh the you know the darkness for the uniform in Purgatory Shadow by Inferno's Light. Yeah, these are some B five titles. Stop that. Ties of Blood and Water. Tell me that's not a Babylon Five title. Yeah, they gotta cut this out. That's anyway, not, that's not their zone. Just a heads up that that's coming. Defense uh, Nine's about to get wild. Yeah. So, like, in real life, I know that there's a twist. But if I was watching in real time, I would just be really annoyed. Like, I'm tired of it. Like, every week, Cisco's like, getting advice from everybody about this lady. Why? I don't think they've kissed yet. It's hard to say. It's my personal theory. Do they kiss in this episode? They might kiss. I don't think they've kissed yet. Oh, he leans in to kiss her at the end, and she backs away. Like, oh, oh she's I'm, mad. She's I, still yeah, mad. I'm just to let him know. Yeah, he's not over yet. Anyway, it's not about anything. It's just, will they get together? And I don't care about that. Uh, Alemo's heavy use in this one rates it as a five for me, but there's a lot wrong with it. Yeah. Um, Ben's a six. Okay. He says, long lost prisoner transport is a good way to set up a mystery. He likes Kira and Goldicott verbally fencing in the runabout. Mm-hmm. And anyway, he likes Galdicott. That's basically it. And like you, he doesn't care about Cisco and Cassidy Yates. Yeah. Uh, but he gives it a six. Okay. Execution. When 
Dukan and Kira were in the runabout, I found myself wondering if he was intentionally trying to alienate Kira with all of that Cardassia was good for Bajor stuff. Hmm. But then I wondered if that's because I like Gil Dukat and I want the writing to be better than it is. <laughs> that's a problem. Or, and then I thought, no, he was probably just saying things that he believes. Yeah. The scene where he sits on the cactus did not land with me. What a surprise. You weren't there for the hijinks? No. Mm. Uh, in general, though, that's a strong pairing. Uh, the Cisco half is less strong. Yeah. He does a dumb thing, gets a bunch of advice from everyone while sitting there shell-shocked, and he never says what's going through his head. Yeah, at all. And then he gives a half-ass explanation at the end, and Cassidy just says, men, and everything's okay. Did you see how proud he was of himself, though? Oh, yeah, for sure. He comes in, he's like, I guess you can live here. And he's, like, beaming. And I was like, I would fucking kill that guy. <laughs> I think I'd kill him. <laughs> I think if I were Cassidy Yates, I would straight fucking karate chop him in the throat. Like, what an asshole. Anyway. Oh, I get to live here, your majesty? Thanks, great. Um, I didn't like it five. I gave it four. That's that's fair. Yeah. In terms of world building, yeah. we have the Ravenok. Yep. Uh, Bajoran earrings carry like a family crest. Mm-hmm. The Breen have a frozen home world. Um, uh, Bajorans are hiring a lot of outside consultants right now. It's good. It's good like, to know how the economy works. Uh, Cassidy Yates got the job with the credential of cargo pilot. Yeah. Just, and I forget what she said. She's what she's going to be running. I th- but yeah, I think she's. I think it's fine because she's big. just going to be cargo. She's just going to be the cargo pilot again, right? Yeah. But for for, yeah. for for the Bajorans, I think she gets to have her own ship and her own crew and everything. So it's like working from home. Yeah, it is like working from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's standard three for me. I didn't think there's much world building actually done here. I, the idea that uh, there are uh, other Cardassian, Bajoran war children has already been explored. Yep. So even that's not really new. Uh, ben gave it a four with a few things added. Ferengi prefer to neg their women, which I think we already knew. Yeah, it's uh, not new. Subdermal implants for tracking in Bajoran freedom fighters. Yeah, that one didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Um, it seems like making your uh, people very easy to track from very far away through time is not a good plan. Because <laughs> that shit's going to get out. Like, someone's going to know that. Yeah, eventually. It seems like the Cardassians were not good at counterintelligence. Which though. is weird, because it seems like that's their whole game is intelligence. But you're what right. What was the Obsidian Order up to? Yeah, I don't know. I just guess just keeping an eye on the military. That seems to be the Yes, thing. that's right. Infighting. That's all. But it seems like uh, Dugat was several steps behind uh, on terms of the Bajoran resistance. Yeah. Um, I had a few other things. People hide in the Badlands when Tholians chase them. Oh, yeah. Where are the Tholians? Is that, is that part know. of this part of space? Literally, I don't know. I'd have to check out the very, very, very not canon space maps. What did that guy take? A crystal? They would hate that. They are the crystals, right? <laughs> that's right. If you take a crystal, that's like kidnapping no, one of them. That's kidnapping. And Don't theirs. take a crystal. Yeah. Uh, Dukat reverses earlier statements about not giving a shit about Kira's war record and says he really tried hard to stop her, but he could just be trying a new strategy to get in her pants. Because remember earlier on in a different episode, he's like, you're a little fucking, we didn't even give a shit about you, your little ragtag group. You yeah. guys were nobody. And she seems really insulted. Yeah, but then if you go back in time, he definitely had a thing for her. Yes. 
Uh, let's see. Um, Bajorans don't care much about what happens to their physical bodies after they die. Um, Dukat asserts this and she does not correct him. So I yep, took that I think as that fact. part's true. I don't think that we know anything about what he says about Cardassian yes. burial rites. Right. That could all be a obvi- He obviously has an ulterior motive there. Uh, specifically, it's a tritonium isotope. Is what yep. this in the implants for tracking. Lysepia, once again mentioned as a common Cardassian ally. That's where his his fam his extra family was going to go live. Uh, there's a Vulcan restaurant on DS9. Maybe it took that Klingon shop spot. <laughs> in the food court uh the breen like you it said. turned out nobody wanted to eat worms so now they'll see if people like thin plant-based soups <laughs> instead that's right yeah not substantial uh the breen uh they're like you said their world is mad cold but they can be on this desert world because of their dumb encounter suits uh the also they have a thermal detonator yes as Princess Leia says. The Cardassian is strong in this girl appearance-wise. She looks yeah. mostly like a Cardi with a little crinkle She's got nose. a little bit of a wrinkle in her nose, but otherwise. Um, yeah, I'll go with a three, I think, on this. And what about uh, characterization? Uh, let's start with Ben. He gave it six fucking points. He says, Cisco should be better at dealing with women. He's been married once before. Dukat is possibly a redeemable yep, figure. all women are the same, for sure. <laughs> Dukat is possibly a redeemable figure, and his relationship with Kira has thought a little. Um, I wasn't quite that high. I gave it a five. Odo doesn't even try to talk Kira out of going on this mission. I guess he knows her pretty well. Yep. Cisco calls her Norris in this episode. I don't know if he's done that a lot before. No, it's weird. It's it's there's no real reason. He's in the first scene and he's telling her the Cardis want to send someone along or whatever. And he calls her Norris and I went, huh. When did that start? Um Cisco's scared of getting yeah, it started after he came back from the mirror universe. Oh, because he got freaky. Yeah. God, he fucked everyone over there. He, he feels closer to her and she doesn't know why. That was so that was such a wild episode. He fucked Dax, he fucked everyone he could. Yep. Yeah. He got nasty. He did not show the, any restraint. Not in the pasty, but, you know. In the alternate Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Cisco's scared of getting too close to Cassidy, but I guess he comes around in the end. Um, Dukat has a thing for Kira and maybe Bajorans in general. And then it turns out he does have a Bajoran lover. He quotes some fucking Kai spiritualism to Kira at one point. Yeah, previous Kai. Uh, he never told his wife about his indiscretion. That's the name of the episode. His ambition means more than his lover and her daughter. He thinks hard about killing his daughter, but eventually loses the will to. Or maybe he's afraid Kira's going to do him if he does. Cassidy isn't oblivious to Cisco's shit and doesn't take it well. She doesn't like play it off and just be like, oh, okay, he's, he's pretty cold on this idea. She goes right after him. No, I, Avery Brooks does a real good job of uh, playing terrified Cisco. Yep. Uh, Kira isn't into Dukat, but she plays it pretty cool when he's all over her in the runabout. And then she uh, she sticks up for his daughter and stuff. And they have a lot of fun in that cave. 
You know what? I'm giving it a four. Everything <laughs> in that cave, made, everything in the cave made me mad. Um, Quark insists women are the enemy. Uh, Jake gives his dad advice about commitment in relationships. Wow, he was banging that older Bajoran girl. Yeah, he was. He was so young then. Yeah, he was a bit tiny baby. What's happening? Uh, I uh, liked it even one less. I gave it a three. Okay. Cisco is very quiet this week, and it makes it a tough call. There are lots of reasons he could be hesitating with Cassidy Mm -hmm. and it's only at the very end that he tells her about his dangerous lifestyle and how people around him get hurt Mm -hmm. and it makes it not ring true even though it is true like his wife died like it is true but you're right that it doesn't seem true yeah but it's like he did he doesn't mention it at all Mm -hmm. for the first 40 minutes and then he shows up at the end and tells her that and it's like I don't know is that true or has he spent 40 minutes thinking of that oh this will get her I uh I know the writers think it's funny to say Nog had all this advice, but it fell flat for me because we've seen Nog on a date. Mm, it was pretty rough. It was not great. As I recall. And Kira goes way light on Ducat after his confession, and I don't understand it. Yeah, like, it's the worst part of this episode. I don't understand anything that's happening with that dynamic. Right. So this one was confusing for me, and I, I only gave it three points. I The characterization was not clear. Yeah, we weren't far off on this one. Um, what about quick ones? I got a few. Uh, first, I wrote, is this Sir Nicole Rami? Of course it was. Mm-hmm. He's quite good. Uh, I have come around on this, and now I start to like that the writers on this dumb little show have to keep track of the 26-hour day so they can keep making references. <laughs> 52 hours. So that, yeah. so that she could say, if the Kardashian guy's not here in 52 hours, I'm leaving without him. I know, but I still have so many... It's a, it's a third rail in its own way, though. Everyone always... I don't want to... We should even get into it. Look, everyone talks about years. Right. And I never know... Does everyone in the universe calculate things based is on the, the human year? Is the universal, is the universal translator, translator <laughs> automatically doing the calculation on what is a human year and versus Kira whatever hears they're him saying? say eleven point eight months, and she's just like, "That's just a year." I know that's just a, he just means a it's, year. It's it's uh, it's trouble. I don't. I shouldn't even have mentioned it. It's trouble. Um, <laughs> Dax uh, not reading the room or being an intentional shit disturber when she tells. Uh, Cassidy that Cisco can find a place for her to live on the station. Mm-hmm. Really overstepping on that one. Hey, read read the room, Dax. Your old buddy's trying to keep things moving slow. You were just having a conversation about it. Yep. Uh, Cisco needs some better friends. I would not take advice from the Wonder Twins, by which I mean Dax and Bashir. Yeah, especially because, like all twins, they want to fuck each other. Yeah, and that's very distracting. It's, I can't trust them. Like, you'd be halfway through listening to the thing, and you'd be like, so, uh... You two fuck it? What's the... <laughs> exactly. What is the situation? We don't know. What, no one listens to the show as twins, right? Okay, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, just wanted um, to make sure. I was disappointed that Kira let the whole episode go by without telling Galducott that he may have been in love with that woman, but because of the power dynamics at play, yeah. he was still a creep. I mean, he's a creep in so many ways. I mean, he... He tells her over and over again he's going to shoot this little girl in the head. Yeah, that sucks too, for sure. Um, is Goldukat a moron? <laughs> Why wouldn't he know he needed to turn that regenerator on? 
Why would he think that she handed him that dermal regenerator and he just had to rub it hard on his butt? You know, I do a lot of uh, pratfalls and tomfoolery to make Marjan laugh. <laughs> sure. Just a lot. All the time. Too much. Really. To be fair. Yeah, you're getting older. You can't keep it oh, up forever. I am in so much. The other day I did a pratfall and hit my head <laughs> on the very much open dishwasher that I forgot I had opened to take oh, dishes God. out. And just... <laughs> You almost went out that way. Yeah, just slammed my head on it super hard, and I was like, "Man, I, I'm 35. Like, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta stop doing this." But I like making her laugh, and I uh, part of me thinks he knew that shit was off. Uh, so he was just he rubbing, just wanted to rub bend his it butt. over and rubbing that thing uh-huh. on his butt so he could tell her it didn't work. I bet that spine didn't hurt that much. Uh, it looks pretty long, but and he's got no butt padding, so <laughs> it looks very slender in those pants. Yeah. Uh, I too generally wait until the next day on a hike to confront someone when they tell me they're going to do a murder. <laughs> yeah, what was she thinking about all night? She's just sitting there all night, like, should I say fuck? something? Should I, should I say something about the murder? Is this in the treaty? What do I have to do yes, here? Right. I'm not used to this. Do I have a responsibility Sh- here? Surely I don't have to let him kill this girl. Yeah, you're right. Uh, apparently she knew that Zial was a Cardassian name, though. I thought that was mild, very mildly interesting. Oh, yeah. Because uh, all these names sound the same to me. Uh, yeah, dude. Roska Karn? Like, I could be, I don't know. <laughs> Bongo Red? What? Exactly. I gave Best Actor to Kira and Worst Actor to Roska Karn. It's not that his acting was bad, but he has that Disney voice, yeah. and it's so distracting. It's a lot. When he's... When he's mad that she brought Ducat and he was, wishes he could have killed him or something, he's, I'm like, well... Yeah, he's like saying everything with kind of a sarcasm. But you sound and... like a cartoon owl, so... <laughs> yeah. Like, definitely not? Yeah. Um, my turn? Yes, quick hitters. I'll start with Ben. He said it reminded him of John Wayne's uh, classic movie, The Searchers, where John Wayne tracks down a niece that was held hostage by Indians. And his mission was to kill her because she'd gone native. Sounds like a yep. great watch. Intentional. Yes. And then it's he, an intentional reference. He says similar plot yeah. lines and even winds up at a cave in the end. Bummer. According to Memory Alpha, this was exactly the point. Yep, that's right. Um, and then he said this one was directed by Mr. Reading Rainbow himself. Um, if you are the, uh, if you're an executive producer on Star Trek, you can just watch an old movie and say, oh, let's do that. Let's do the searchers in space. Except it'll I know still it's already be on been a, done, but we're going to do it too. It'll still be on a planet, though, so it's let's just do the searchers, I guess. Um, I hated Nana Visitors acting when they did their one act play in that cave, and I loved uh, Alamos. I almost called him Galalamo. <laughs> I loved his acting in it. <laughs> I didn't like hers. Um, but it's kind of like how my favorite actor is Ted, and my least favorite actor is Jake. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, was he all supposed to be 13 when the ship crashed, making her 19 now? Or is she supposed to be 13 now? No, I believe she was 13 when it crashed. Okay, I hope 19 now for future well, she reasons. definitely was played by a full adult, but we'll also, we know why you care about For that. future reasons, it'll be important. Yeah. Maybe someone, maybe she's going to show up again in a few episodes and someone's going to get ideas. Yeah. Jake's eye is all scratched up in this episode. He ain't got one of those fucking wands he can wave in front of it and heal it. <laughs> I'm just, I know in real life, the actor must have hurt his eye. But like, what are they doing in universe? Yeah, that's a good question. Irresponsible. Go see fucking Bashir. 
Maybe he knows that if he goes to see Bashir, Bashir's going to ask him if he's sexually active and want to talk about <laughs> he's like, condoms. And yes, stuff. I told and you like, last Jesus time Christ. I was nailing that Dabo girl. <laughs> Stop pretending like you don't know because you want to get the details. Uh, I know Cassidy is mad and she's joking, but I don't think it's nice to invoke Jennifer's name when she tells Cisco that Jake is a smart boy and he must have gotten it from his mother. Yeah, that's true. Whoa. Hey, he might be sensitive about that. Yeah, oh, like maybe the reason he's hesitant to get into another long-term relationship. Yep. Maybe definitely throw that right in his face. Uh, the rest of the stuff we've already covered. So, Boy, I think we just have one left, huh? Good. We might get in and out around three. Around three hours. And you know what that means. We've got Ben's notes. The only thing left is TNG. Yep. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. Riker tells Worf his uh, family is coming on board, and Worf reacts badly. Says he shouldn't receive visitors while he's on duty. Yeah. Uh, Riker suggests he's nervous about his dishonor from earlier in the season or last season and Worf says uh, no human can ever understand it meanwhile Picard is going home for the first time in over 20 years to, to his hometown of Labar, France for shore leave I'm sure that won't be fraught at all <laughs> alright he's gotta get past Troy though who tells him that that's an odd choice and uh, she seems to think it's a mistake and I don't understand why the whole time she's going mm-hmm <laughs> uh-huh right and i was like man why is she fucking here I, if i were him i would have said why are you here just standing in his quarters man is there anyone with less to do when the ship's just sitting in station undergoing repairs she got fucking nothing to do there's no fucking alien minds to read or anything <laughs> she doesn't even know anybody on earth yeah. she can't even just beam down she knows angel falls that's what she knows she was gonna go to hedonism in jamaica but <laughs> they were all booked up so that's right you can't you can't do it last minute like that all right, after the credits, Worf's parents come on board and shoot the shit with O'Brien, and I mean, he seems really put out by having to do it. Um, <laughs> then Picard gets to his village and meets his brother's kid and wife, and whoops, he and his brother Robert don't get along at all. No, his brother's mean. It's mean? He's got a real ugly turtle face? <laughs> he is an ugly man. He's mean, he's and he's aggressively uh, got very British. Regressive ideas about technology. Aggressively British. Yes, a total luddite. It's he's uh, a follower of Doctor Severin. He's got his <laughs> books and stuff. He's a real fucking asshole. Uh, I, I should have done a plot, b plot, c plot on this. Crusher and Troy are chatting on Enterprise, and Crusher gets a box of her old things from Earth. In the box is an old hollow program of Jack Crusher, a message uh, to a newborn Wesley that she never gave him. I guess because she didn't ever go back to Earth or whatever. Yep. Also, she seems to have forgotten about it. Well, she's at first she seems surprised, and then she says that she thinks she was avoiding it. I I don't know what's going on with her. Jordy is now playing along with Worf's parents. Um, Worf's dad gets him alone and asks him some personal stuff about Worf that we don't see. Yeah. It cuts away. Picard is having dinner with his uh, family. And they talk about lots of things that pit the two brothers against one another. And then the next day, Picard meets his old friend Lewis, who tells him all about the government's plan to raise the ocean floor. 
Um, I see a map in the episode. It appears to be in the North Atlantic somewhere. Yeah, they're going to make a new continent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Picard shows some interest in that. There's got to be protesters, right? Oh, yeah. Like, leave the ocean alone. What are you? What are we doing? Luckily, this episode doesn't cover how terrible protesters are. We don't need more farmland or anything. It's true. Are we doing this just for the sake of yes. science? Seems pretty clear they are. Yeah. But this episode is not written by TOS writers, so it is not evil. Anyway, uh, Worf asks his parents to be more reserved while they're on board and stop trying to chat everybody up and everything. And um, he gets called away, so they're sitting in 10 forward, and Guinan comes in and talks to him, and they have some some sweet stuff about getting to know Worf. Uh, Picard admits to Robert's wife that he's actually tempted to leave Starfleet and join his friend Lewis on this dumb ocean project. Lewis walks in right then and says, uh, hey, I'll set up a meeting with the Board of Governors. Uh, they want to hire you to fucking supervise the project. Picard, You're mad connected. Picard seems annoyed, probably because he just said that thing out loud about how tempted he was. Uh, but he agrees to meet with them. Worf has a nice scene with his parents. And they reconcile, and it's very sweet. Uh, they're real worried about his dishonor, or whatever. Because they... They want him to know that he's not alone. Anyway, Picard and his brother have a knockdown drag out. Maybe something his brother does purposely to help him. Maybe not. They end up fist fighting in the mud and crying. Picard has a vulnerable moment saying that the Borg took everything he was and made him a killing machine and he couldn't stop them. He and his brother are a muddy, drunk mess when Robert's wife finds them, but Picard is more determined than ever to go back to Enterprise and get back to Starfleet business. Wesley goes to the holodeck to see his dad's hollow message and... Has emotions, probably. Picard comes up, meets Worf's parents, and then we cut back to France with nephew René looking up into space and dreaming about being a starship captain, because he says that a lot during the episode. What was this non-plot-moving episode about? Uh, Trauma goes on and on, and it doesn't do anyone any good to keep it inside instead of asking for help. Okay. Okay. I only gave the Raven a four. Sure. And it explores some of the same themes. That was one of Uh, those that we've seen many times where it's like, you have to, you can't, you have to explore the trauma. You can't just ignore it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But that was also at least in part because it had already been covered in this episode. So I'm giving this one as many as five for, for a take. Uh, Ben, uh, give it a six. He says, family is such a big part of who we are. They can be a great good in our lives uh, if they are supportive and loving. This grounds us as people, not a super huge take, but relevant to the characters that it focused on. We get it. You like your family. Yeah, great. That must be nice. <laughs> Imagine. Anyway, uh, I had a tragedy can bring you to your lowest point, but can also serve to give you even greater motivation to go on. I mean, Maybe. I give it a five. It doesn't seem like Worf has really been motivated, but I'll let it. I'll accept it. <laughs> Maybe he will now after that sweet talk he had with his parents. Um, yeah, so five for me. Uh, execution. The stuff with Wesley and his dad is pretty rote. Um, the stuff with Worf and his parents rises to being kind of sweet. But this episode's about Picard. I'm not sure we ever see anybody coping in Star Trek the way Picard is trying to in this one. He's ready to leave the fleet. Yeah. Like, he's like, I'm, I don't really think I can go back to that. 
Um, he hates his brother, but more than anything, he's been laying low by the Borg. That they used him to murder thousands of his colleagues, and that he remembers all of it is a lot for him. Is it oversimplified that this muddy fistfight restores his vigor? Yes. But we know TNG wasn't interested in long arcs, so there was no way we're, we were going to have like a dark season four where everybody comes to grips with the tragedies of Wolf 359. Yeah, for sure. The fact that he's got a couple of bandages on his head is That's continuity. as much yeah. as we're going to get. Yeah. Um, it's interesting writing to have Renee mess up and say nephew and then F. Picard play along and the kid gets all confused. Yeah. Like he doesn't remember that he did the fuck up. Right. It's so small, but I was like, oh, that's actually kind of interesting. Seems almost like a real thing. Yeah, a lot of the Picard half of this episode is carried by that uh, woman and child. Yeah. Well, it's not Turtle Face who does it. No. Like, you need him in there, and he kind of has to be that way. He's but such a dick. He's a real piece of shit. And you have to imagine Picard's dad was, too. Yep, that's definitely the feeling that he took after the dad in, like, every way. First, first of all, we've seen Picard's mom, who he adored. <laughs> Yeah, and Picard has never said shit about his dad. It's true, it's never come up. Except in this he, episode. It's like he didn't even have one. Except you get to this episode and he's like, yeah, dad sucked just like you. Yeah. You suck like dad. Um, the stuff with Picard I found very affecting. Yeah. I will give it as much as a six. Uh, ben is a seven. Yes. He says, exploring a couple of families at once. He's assuming that in the background, all the characters are contrasting their shipboard family to their childhood families. Uh, it's a very big contrast from the first episode of the season. Yeah, the fast-paced Borg action thriller. Uh, so, I mean, it's true to an extent because they cut another plot line out of this and made it the next episode. Yes. So, if there's a, you wonder why Brothers follows family, there is a reason. Right. Ow. Yep. <laughs> um... I gave it a six also. The The weakest part of this is the little Wesley plot. Yes, it's the... I, I called it the C plot, but it's so f much smaller than the other ones. It's, yeah. yeah. It's a distant C plot for sure. Crusher tells Troy that she's worried because Wesley has finally come to terms with his father's death. Mm. But what does that mean and why does she think it's true? Yeah, because I always see him looking at his panel and being like, I'm going to lose my second space dad. And like, yeah, what's my life going to be like without my dad's? But or if Wesley had that moment, it was during his psych test. Yeah. Like, it's not second episode of season four. It's a good point. They could have used that time, mismanaged minutes, uh, with Worf. Like, maybe he had a moment like with Picard and Robert and actually let some of whatever he's been holding on to about his dishonor come to the surface. Yeah. The closest he gets is he gets a little animated when he says he must bear this dishonor alone. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, or you could have given it to the scene with Jordy and his dad, which we don't see. Sure. I don't know what that was. He gets him alone and he's like, let me ask you some questions about my boy. And then it cuts away and you're like, I don't know what happened there. Could have been anything. All right. I guess we don't get to know what he's worried about yeah, yet. It's... That doesn't make a ton of sense. Ah, right. uh, he's going to tell him his name's Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, but aside from those things, this is a good, quiet character episode. So uh, I think it's 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 pretty well done. I gave it a six. Mm, world building. 
McKinley Station. We get to see the Enterprise being worked on. Uh, shuttling in from the village. Yep. So Picard beamed down to the village instead of directly to <laughs> the farmhouse for, I guess, politeness reasons. Uh, yeah, either. Pol- yeah, I guess his brother would probably hate that, huh? Yeah. You beamed in don't, with your infernal don't machine. Don't you beam in in front of my son. <laughs> That's right. Look at my face. Uh, it's all curled up in every way. Yeah, uh, plans to create another subcontinent on Earth. The 47 vintage was a good year, I guess. Mm. It's really not a world-building episode. Um, I gave it a three. Ben disagreed. He gave it a six. Yeah. He said, apparently written communication is still very common versus videos. Everyone keeps talking about written correspondence. I mean, Picard does say your correspondence. I didn't think he specified, but maybe he did. Um, he recognized her right away, but also who else would she have been? You're right. I don't think... But he does say it's the first time they've ever met. Yeah. Uh, the Jack Crusher transitional stage uniform was interesting. Did you have any thoughts about his uniform? I know that stuff... I hate it. it I just They just didn't have the turtlenecks or something, so they just... I, I always hate that version without the belt and the ribbed collar. Right. Like, give, give me the full version. It doesn't look right with just the open collar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... And then some stuff that we already mentioned. That he, again, he added as a six in world building. Um, yeah, Enterprise still docked, getting repaired. Earth Station Babrusk is who contacts them about Worf's parents beaming over or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, the stuff about raising the ocean floor. Again, it looked like it was going to be in the North Atlantic. Um, we finally met another NCO. A lot. Of- this is where they assert that O'Brien is one. Yes, this is this. Now we know what he is finally. The guy looks at him. O'Brien's wearing full lieutenant pips. Uh huh. Two full pips. But he knows. And the guy looks at him and says, "Ah, another chief petty officer." He saw what? his doughy, doughy body and fucking average face and went, "Ah, an NCO." <laughs> a lot of cooking talk in this episode. Worf's mother never just programmed a replicator to make rogueheg blood pie. I guess. Yeah, she just has to make it, and then obviously Robert is a monster and makes his wife cook. Even well, though. they moved to Earth at some point, but didn't they grow up on a farm world? I think they did, yeah. Galt? Galt? Yeah. Something like that. Um, and then, yeah, Robert, the, Robert's a monster, so he makes his wife cook, even though everyone on the planet has replicators or whatever. Um, for me, it was a three. You know they ain't got a dishwasher either. Oh, for sure. Uh, characterization. Mm. Yes, please. Worf didn't even know his parents were coming on board, which is kind of weird. And he thinks it's inappropriate to have family visit him. <clears throat> and he knows no human can possibly understand his dishonor. He finds his parents to be a real fucking bother, and I get it. <laughs> I you don't want him showing up at your work. I didn't like their visit. <laughs> so, like, I get it. But uh, he comes to appreciate their their visit and their time together by the end. Riker should understand better than anybody that Worf doesn't want to see his family. This keeps happening where Riker fucking hates his dad with so much fucking passion and then all the time is like, but that's your dad, Clag. But it's family. Clag, it's your dad, though. <laughs> How could you not want to see your dad? And this one, he's like, why don't you want to see your family, Worf? What's going on? Dude, your family's garbage, Riker. Anyway. Yeah, but you know, if his mom was still alive... Yeah, maybe everything would be perfect. His dad wouldn't be an asshole at all. If she hadn't been 
Mm, run over by a cigarette truck? I don't think it's explained. In my it head, can't be good. Fishing accident, but that's because that's all I know about his life in Alaska. Fishing accident. I don't know. Like she fell through the ice? Maybe. Uh, Picard's going home for the first time in 20 years. He says he's healed. His nightmares have stopped. All the good stuff you want to hear. Yep. <laughs> uh, great small touch the way Picard looks around his quarters before the teaser. Like, he don't think he's going to ever be back here. Yeah. If you're paying attention, you already know he's half out of this thing. Yeah, when I was at, uh, at eBay working over in the PayPal campus with the billing team, the guy I was working with, Went to India on vacation for two weeks, but he also cleaned out his desk before he went on vacation. (laughs) So no one was crazy surprised when we suddenly heard, oh yeah, he started a business over there. He's not coming back. (laughs) People are so sneaky. Uh, This Picard bit where he asks about his friend being a rotten swimmer is the most natural Pat Stew moment that I've seen. Yeah. He says he's one thing he doesn't understand about this ocean project is that you were always such a rotten swimmer, Lewis. And he does a laugh and you go, wow, it's... hey, there's an actor on set. There's just one. Everybody look at the actor. <laughs> um, I guess he keeps in touch with Robert's wife. Yeah. Um, He has a real breakdown after his fist fight with Robert, but I guess at the end ends up ready to go back. Troy is crazy annoying. And they even have Picard confirm that he feels that way about her. <laughs> Which I thought was real, keeping it real. Uh, O'Brien doing some half-hearted small talk with Worf and his family was kind of sad. I feel it so, was a little bit sad. I feel bad for him. Also, no one bit when he started talking about how horrible his dad was. <laughs> yeah, chasing nurses around and shit. It's like, ooh. No one wanted to talk about that. Maybe he was hoping they'd go away if he started to get dark. Uh, Crusher's been avoiding this Jack Crusher hollow program for years. We see Wesley experience it with, again, I can only say emotions of some kind because I don't think Will Wheaton was really killing it. I don't know what he's supposed to be feeling when he looks at that hologram. The message is just like, sorry, I'm an absentee dad. But don't worry, you're going to get plenty of tapes. Yep. (laughs) It's like, oh, cool. Jordy likes hearing about young Worf, and he's very nice to Worf's dad. Yeah, Jordy's family loves him. He's the only one. <laughs> He's basically right. Jordy's the only one with good family on the ship, so. Uh, Guinan spills the fucking tea about Worf and prune juice to his parents and some other things she's learned about him. The Picard stuff's really good. The rest don't detract from the scoring, even if they don't land with as much impact. I gave it, may scroll up, an eight. Well, Ben gave it a nine. Yeah, this was his big score. Yeah, he says O'Brien's dad is an Irish caricature, too. He chased a nurse around sickbay on his visit. Yep. Uh, Worf's Russian family, Sergei and Helena Roshenko. His dad's an old retiree. Mm-hmm. Um, Worf gets a nice pep talk from his mommy and daddy, and it really is very sweet. It is sweet. I, 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 I was like, oh, man, God damn it! I'm a little bit moved. Uh, he liked that LaForge called Worf's dad chief. Yep. Uh, let's he says, see. says drunk JLP is great. Well, sure. Again, actor on set, mm-hmm. right? The sister-in-law seems very supportive and must have got that deep insight into Picard only from the gruff, but I guess presumably caring older brother. Right. 
for me, so Picard is so out of it in this episode mm-hmm. that it's actually a little weird that he thinks he's okay. Yeah. I don't think he like, does. Like, he is... He is staring into the middle distance the whole time this episode. Don't you think he's just trying to get Troy to go the fuck away? I mean, Not maybe. understanding that she can read his emotions? <laughs> yes, for sure. You're going to have to change you if you want her to leave. Um, But his arc is interesting. I like that he questions why he's suddenly considering changing careers and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that side's really, really well done. Worf is pretty rude to his embarrassing old dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they flesh out what he's going through a lot less, but I felt like it resolved realistically. Like, it's not over with. They're just like, listen, we are we don't know exactly what happened, but you know we're still proud of you. Yeah. Uh, Troy, though, just hobgoblins around this one. <laughs> Overanalyzing Picard, just lets Beverly say dumb shit without speaking up. It's, when you uh, said it, I imagined replacing her with Soman, and I thought, what a good show that would be. Oh, man. By the way, she'd speak every line with subtitles. It would still be in Korean. Oh, for sure. It would be amazing. No one would ever question why the translator didn't work. She'd have sweaty armpits. It'd be a whole thing. Amazing. Maybe the the other girls would make fun of her. We'll talk about that another time. Probably a little bit. Uh, Troy really, really brought this one down for me. I was only able to give it a five. Wow, and she... Oh, also the Wesley stuff I don't think is anything. Yeah, it's not anything. Uh, she's well, Troy's not in it that much, but she's in everyone's shit. She's just... Let's just go right to the quick hitters. Okay. What the fuck point is Troy trying to make at the beginning? Why wouldn't Picard go home? Yeah, she seems to think that because he hasn't been there in 20 years that it's weird that he's going. But like, like why why wouldn't that at least So be he's a, never going to go back? An interesting exercise. Like, what does she want him to do Dude. while he's here? Well, while the ship is here. Sit in his quarters and talk to her? You know, it is a rule of nature that if you have been away from a place a certain amount of time, you will never go back. <sighs> I, <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Even he is like, I'm annoyed by this. Like, leave. Uh... In the transporter room scene, O'Brien was trying so hard, and Worf was not giving him anything. Yeah. Worf was not playing in the space at all. Yeah, I feel bad for Smiley. Like, it's such a shitty gig, because every weirdo who beams on, you have to, like, chat with. Yep. I would hate it. I'd hate that job a lot. Um, Do you think Marie's first words to her husband after Picard showed up were, your brother is hella haunted, just talking about the past and staring into space? <laughs> Yeah, I think something's really wrong. Like, really wrong. Really wrong? Yeah. Is there, like, a, like a hotline we can call? Something's not good right now. Yeah, he he should not. He should be in medi- under medical care. Like, three times on the way over here, we were we walked, like, 40 feet. Three times he went, huh? Oh. <laughs> it's not, it's really bad. <laughs> Is it a special thing of winemakers that instead of picking a grape to taste, you just kind of squish <laughs> up all the grapes and then rub your mouth on your hand? <laughs> I really want to know. I'm not going to lie. I believe that guy. I don't know what he was doing, but I believed it. I went, that guy's, he's a fucking, he's, this fucking vineyard is his life and he knows what he's doing. I don't know it. I'm not an expert. I'm not a vineyard. I guess I've never watched that scene before, but he fucking just like half crushes a bunch of grapes and then just kind of rubs them on his face. They give you a certain tickle if they're ripe, if they're ready. It's a weird acting choice. Yo, that turtle face is fucking weird. 
I don't want to see him again. I'm glad we don't see him again. He's probably got a lot of really wrong ideas about how stuff was done before technology, right? <laughs> yes. Like, he's probably got a lot of real make em ups. Yep. And he tells them, like, they're fact to everyone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yikes to this matte painting of France. That was one of the worst. That's also in my quick hitters. It looks like the cover for a self published science fiction novel. It's just like, <laughs> uh, there's a big castle. Yep. On a massif or something, and then put like a bunch of weird antennas that have no obvious function, and then that's so you know else. it's the future. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I phrased it more like, "Well, we went five and eleven, not very good." <laughs> I just have not the world's best matte painting behind those vines. <laughs> no, <laughs> we weren't the worst in the league. There, there was one team worse than us, so that's one way to think about it. Um, when Beverly got her effects delivered, yeah, I was terrified to learn that even in the future we're going to be using those shitty abs suitcases <laughs> yep that looked like the flimsiest shit i was afraid she was going to pull out some african masks oh yeah that, that could have that meant that enterprise was really home now uh dialogue monster when she says it's a message for wesley from jack i'd forgotten it <laughs> maybe i was just trying to forget it <laughs> it seems like something botnik wrote <laughs> It does. It does have that botnik uh, quality like to a, it. Like a fake ph- philosophical bent that would come from a botnik sentence. Uh, Worf's dad, Sergei, has got a great jacket. I kind of want to see our dad in it. Uh, yeah, it is pretty good. It's, got, it's a good jacket. Are TV writers only children? <laughs> that's a good like, question. do they not have siblings? Because they always have people call each other brother like that's what a human does. Yeah. Yeah, I've certainly never called you that. Ever. Unless... Did we fuck it? Did we do it wrong? Are the writers of Star Trek Korean? Oh, they, they mean uh, they mean Opa or Hyung or whatever? Yeah. Is that why there's so much Subway product placement? <laughs> ah, there you go. That finally yeah. tracks. When, uh, hey, when Guinan says to Worf's parents, just look at him. I think he's pretty special. She inclines her eyes to the left like she thinks he's still sitting at the bar. <laughs> but he gone. <laughs> Would have great if he she, left. Would have been great if she'd gone. Oh, he's uh, he's not he's not over there. But you know what I mean. Just just look at him. I think he's pretty special. <laughs> he's not in the. He left. He went to the bridge. That's or, why you're talking to them. Or if they look at each other, like what the fuck's wrong with her? Oh, is he back? Oh, he's not back. <laughs> uh oh. And uh, by the way, Guinan, you talked about being proud of yourself. Yeah. Guinan is super proud of herself. Oh, about the prune juice when she tells. <laughs> After she tells Worf's parents that he's not looking towards the Klingon Empire. He's looking towards home. He's looking towards Earth and his parents. Yeah. He's looking for you. Super fucking proud of herself about that. Yeah, it's a total make up He never said that. What, um, what percentage of Robert's shitty behavior mm. is but due to the fact that his wife has been writing to Picard for like 20 years? Mm, yeah, it's not nothing. Is this guy shows up in a series of open wrap shirts. The kid likes him. Uh-huh. Instantly. You know he'd let her get a replicator. Oh, of course he would. He There's mentions gotta it. be some trouble here. He mentions that he can't believe they don't have one. Yeah. Oh, he knows why. So that's got that's under the surface there, right? Yeah, it's not nothing. It is a percentage of it for sure. It's just a question of how much. Alright, buddy. I sent you this picture. I have to know. What the fuck is up with Worf's quarters? Because <laughs> of his cool chair? And what he's doing when his parents show up. Looking at his so, cool beard. 
yeah, so he has a, ch- a mirror that's mounted seven feet above the ground. <laughs> Off to the side. And a, a weird art chair that you have to climb into if you want to use the mirror. And then, as you say, you have to crane your head a hundred, like a hundred degrees yeah. to the side, past your shoulders, <laughs> yep. to look at yourself. And that's what he's doing. When they come to the door, he has to step, climb down out of this weird chair to go answer the door. What the fuck is going on with Worf? Bro, if that's your mirror chair, just put the mirror in front of the chair. Yeah, exactly. This isn't that hard. No, well, it's hard for him. <laughs> Dude, he clearly read about this cool Klingon chair on Klingon Wikipedia. And he has no idea how it's <laughs> supposed to be used. That's the chair of Carthos. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, Robert's, that, by the way, that, that chair only makes sense in the blue room. I don't understand why it's not in the blue room. It should be in the blue room for sure. Uh, hey, Robert's stunt double is so bad. He has like a full head of curly yellow hair. <laughs> he, his hair looks like Adam from, uh, yep. from the way to Eden. It does. It's just like, I know, of course there were going to be stunt doubles. Picard and the old man were going to be rolling around in the vineyard. No, hell no. But. It's just so bad. The hair is not remotely like his oh, hair. Oh, clearly they thought there was too much going on and no one would notice. They're, like you said, they're like throwing each other through the vines and stuff. And yeah. yeah. But no, you're right. It was not good at all. Uh, I know that's hard for everyone to believe because of the history of great stunt doubles on Star Trek. But. Well, Picard knows that Marie doesn't have a replicator, uh, but he's also going to get the fuck out of there before anyone asks him to help clean up the muddy floor. They fucked that place up proper. I mean... So many rugs that's, they ground mud into. That's like a full day cleanup. That's a real pain in the ass. And of course she's going to have to do it. Those rugs are probably old. Uh, if they come down through the Picard family line. Those Picard, the Picard who made the Indians leave stole those rugs from them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That did happen. Hey, Wesley's dad's 16 year old hollow program just runs right away. <laughs> the holodeck doesn't even bitch about compatibility <laughs> mode right. or... Uh, this Holodex is from are new. Older... Riker's never seen one. Yes, exactly. Well, this is the problem we always have because Enterprise ran into like ninety of them. Yeah, but they didn't know how to make them. Yeah, but then how come Starfleet didn't know how to make them until twenty three sixty whatever? That's a real good question. But they're new enough that they have to explain it to Riker and therefore us. And therefore, it doesn't make sense that Jack already had a Hollow program he was running. And you're right; it doesn't say you're using the old version. This will automatically convert to the new version, but like if there's errors, whoops, it's not our fault. <laughs> right, exactly. You're not using the right version. Uh, or maybe it is in compatibility mode, and that's why there's no background, and he's just standing upright in the grid. Oh, originally he had a really cool background. He was like out in this fucking scenic fucking area. El Capitan was behind him or whatever. I thought Jack Crusher was for sure asserting that he can feel that baby Wesley is his son because secretly he suspects his old pal Jean-Luc. Well, he fucking should. Just like Robert should. <laughs> Maybe Uncle He's been Rene. To Earth before. Yeah. He was on Earth. Uh, when was when was We'll Always Have Paris? Is Rene old enough? I think he might be. Uh, well, I mean, he, we know he goes back to Earth every once in a while just because he's buddies with those admirals, you know? Yeah, that is true. He's back every once in a while. Hey, um, what was Wesley trying to do at the end of that hollow program when his dad disappeared? Touch it. A judo throw? I don't don't know what he was. He reached out for his dad's left elbow. It wasn't a hug or a handshake or nothing. Uh, I do have some notes about that, but it's... Does he know he can just restart the program? No. He acts like he's gone forever. Or just computer. Let me hug my dad. (laughs) 
He acts the like, computer knows how to do that. He acts like now that that is turned off, he will never see him again. Yeah. It's over. And uh, well, Picard walks away from the family, and he didn't look back at all. And he might as well have, because they're all going to die in a fire. Sure. But he doesn't know that. I know, but, I mean, <laughs> he should have looked back. I know he should have. I gave best actor to Lewis, figuring out that Picard might be interested in Atlantis. Oh, he yeah. had a couple of real naturalistic moves there that I liked. He's thinking about how he was going to play this and how he was going to get a big promotion because he was going to get Picard yep. in. He was getting a referral bonus at least. Yep. You know it'd be big. If Picard They're stays Picard on to do the whole thing. If Picard stays on for six months, he'll get $500. It's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That'll give his wife something to talk about at parties. That's right. Um, worst actor I gave to Renee, but he's a kid. What are you going to do? Yeah, he wasn't good, though, was he? Also, that kid will later play Picard. Well, well, first of all, and it's the same when he comes back to play Picard. Mm -hmm. Why is he shouting all the time? That's how he thinks you're supposed to act. (laughs) It's not good. You had a lot of quick hitters on this one. This was like a real old school I fucking did. It took me forever to get through this one. (laughs) Uh, I got a few. Riker forgot the name of the Klingon homeworld. Just calls it the Klingon planet. Yep. Uh, you're worried about what happened on the Klingon planet. What? You know, the one we went to? You know, like now we're... I stayed up on the ship, but Picard went down. Now we're at the human planet, then we were at the Klingon planet. You understand? I'm not dumb, you're dumb. (laughs) Do you remember when your brother didn't like turkey? (laughs) That planet. (laughs) The one one there. God, why are you looking at me like that? Um, This French incidental music is racist? Oh, yeah, for sure. I know it's harder. But that's why his brother plays it around the house. <laughs> it's hard. I know it's harder to be racist against the Europeans because they're so awful, but it's it was racist. Not sure I understand Robert's vineyard fashion, but the weird scarf around his oh. neck and the weird hat. Well, do you know how you trusted him about the grapes? It's <laughs> another thing that he knows is I true. Trusted, I trusted him about the clothes. <laughs> He's just so confident about it. Uh... Picard and his brother looked so British when they were kissing goodbye. Oh, yeah. They look, and I, I put one here, and then you... Oh, but then we do... Hold on, I'll do the other side, and then... Well, you'll notice that his brother and his brother's wife, also, and his nephew, none of them have French accents. Yeah, they all, all have British accents. The most British French there are. What's the story there? But even culturally, they've been living there forever, and they're still like, yeah. what's a, how's the kiss on the cheek thing work? It's so weird, I don't like it. This is this feels very unnatural. They looked so awkward. Our father also didn't like it. That's this. right. It's just like Father taught us. We'll, we'll very subtly say that we don't like doing this every time. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking assholes. I mean, literally everything in here we have covered. So, um, we gone and did it, man. That's I had so, fun. Uh, did, did, did Ben have quick hitters? Yeah, we talked about him. Okay, good. About a drunk JLP and uh, the sister-in-law being very supportive and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We did. Okay, so we're through another week. We're through week 75. Mm. The totals are in. All right. Line in last total. place with 12 total points. It's not good. 12 entire points. It's not what you want. TOS, the way to Eden. It appears to be the worst we've ever... No, not the worst we've ever given characterization. Close, though. Oh, I mean, we gave it three total points for characterization, which is very bad. But the two total points we gave it for premise and execution, somehow not as bad. <laughs> That's because there's so many, there's been so many no takes. 
Yeah, well, that's true. Um, I've noticed a lot of them. Day of Honor got a two in characterization. That was the one. Oh, with that the, was trash. With the that space, was a trash episode. With the space love that was happening out there in space. Oh, and Tom Paris is like. He's like, be, uh, be more Japanese. All that. Yeah. <laughs> why, that are you, real bad. why are you Japanese? I made this program where you get to wear the kimono and you're not wearing it. Uh, something called Non Sequitur, which was also a Voyager, got a two in characterization. Okay. All right. Um, so, yeah, two is the worst, but uh, three's bad. In uh, fourth place with 22 points. It's actually a tie. Yeah. But let's say Voyager Year of Hell Part 1 mm-hmm. is in fourth, and in third is going to be, next week, is going to be Enterprise Zero Hour, and that's just based on their overall rankings. Both scored 22 points. Yeah, we were pretty far off on Zero Hour. You gave it uh, 8, and I gave it 14. <clears throat> yep. So. We were much closer together on Year of Hell. I had a 10, and you had a 12. Yes. Second place this week with 31 points. Again, that's right about where our average sits. At this point, our average has dropped a little. It's a 30.3. I think it's because we hate this and we hate doing it. <laughs> we hate doing it. And also we're in TOS season three. We're, we're, you know, when in one of the credit sequences on Community, when Troy is directing for Abed and he says to the young Chang actor, do you hate this? Do you hate doing this? Do you? That's that's us. Yeah. Uh, anyway, second place with 31 points, Deep Space Nine Indiscretion. Yes. And the winner this week with 41 points, TNG Family. That's its 29th win. Yeah. Did it again. <sighs> 75 episodes of this project in the in the books, but that's still not even halfway. But now we can say for sure that the original series cannot mathematically catch deep space nine and wins that's right it's it's, it can't even catch deep space nine and nothing can catch it it's locked in the third mm-hmm. next uh, week you have finally ended up uh now your deep space nine score is finally higher than your uh, tos score oh yeah it was it After was lagging week, for I think it uh, got all the way up through last week right yeah uh next week week 76 yeah we are watching the cloud minders mm, that's something we are watching brothers the return of a much beloved character i'm not i'm not crazy excited about this episode but maybe it'll be so buck wild that we can talk about it we'll see again tng's had a good run it'd be fine if something else got one yeah uh we're watching rejoined that could only be a dax and it it is the you know which one it is it's dax's lesbian love affair i don't want it to be but it is Year of Hell Part 2. How are they going to stop Anorax? I'm only excited if it can be as bad as this week. <laughs> if it, well, if it's, it's a, not going to it's not going to be drastically better. It's not like they had a uh, they had a summer break in between and it's a whole new staff. My worry is that it will be more coherent and therefore it'll just be boring and not uh not zany bad. Yeah, we'll see. And we're starting a two-parter <laughs> to start the fourth season of Enterprise. It is somewhat continued. It's continued from the last yes. five minutes of the episode we watched this Technically week. a cliffhanger. We're watching Stormfront Part 1. Mm, yeah, that won't be good, but again, maybe it'll be buck wild. Maybe it'll be insanely bad. I dread over. having to watch it. <laughs> well, you watch them in order, so it's the last one for you. I, I watch them in the same order that we do the show, so uh, it'll be whatever, second or third, depending on how I do it. So. <clears throat> All right, well, fuck, we did it, and that means next week is uh, we're going back to mailbag. 
Um, yeah. We have another round of uh, Flags of the World lined up. Yep. I think I've sent a couple of mails, um, but other people, please send send them along. Um, that's at BrotherDate on the Twitter machine. Uh, brothers at BrotherDate.com. You can send us the emails. Go to BrotherDate.com and check out Landrew because he's such a robust boy. He's so He's just such a big boy. He's beefy. We're filled out through row 386 on the main sheet. He's learning and growing so much. And I'm just going to say this here. What I'm worried is when the project's over and when we're done, we're going to neglect him. And like like Jed, he's going to drink all of our booze. (laughs) That's right. Because we're off doing other stuff and he's going to fizzle and pop and everything. And it's going to die. Anyway, um, so as you believe, uh, I'll just say as you believe since it's not so. As you believe, so shall you do, so shall you do, as you believe. So shall you do. And I gave Worst Actor to Manic Sulu. He was giving that woman a look like she was a bunch of floating space knives. (laughs) It was real bad.